Thanks for tuning in. We're Ace Comicals. I have with me my co-host Rahul Jani and Leon Everett. I'm Brett Driver. Let's get started. Hi guys, welcome to Ace Comicals episode number 34, show entitled Infinity Talk. Uh, it's a special show in a deviation from our usual content. We're doing a movie, as you can probably guess from the title that I've given this one. Um, we're going to be talking about the latest Marvel blockbuster to hit the cinemas, Avengers Infinity War. Uh, we will be discussing it in a bit of detail and there will be spoilers, but this will be well signposted. And before we get to that, we have some other stuff we'd like to discuss as well. We've got some stuff regarding the Eisners and we've got some free comic book day stuff to get through with it being free comic book day next week on Saturday, May the 5th. So uh, I've got my usual uh, suspects with me today. I've got Leon. Hey guys. And I've got Rahul. Afternoon guys. So before we get into much of everything else, what have you guys been up to this week apart from hitting the cinema like me? <laughs> Pretty much the same. I hit the cinema twice recently. Uh, one was to see uh, A Quiet Place, which is the uh, uh, Krasinski-directed movie. Um, sort of horror thriller, horror thriller movie, but um, yeah, it was really good. It's, it's one of those ones that works really well in the cinema when you're surrounded by an audience and um, just uh, people's reactions around you and the, the necessity uh, that the movie makes where... Everyone sort of has to buy into the social uh, contract of being quiet in the cinema, just because that's sort of how the movie works. Like it, it's what is what it's like the backbone of how the movie works, and it's um, really interesting experience. And I'd um, highly recommend uh, people check it out. And then I, I saw this this tiny indie movie that we're going to be talking about in 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 some detail um i don't know if people heard of it but um trying to shine a light on it but yeah otherwise it's just me man just floating through space how about you rahul yeah you bring up um what is it the social contract of being in the cinema i too have uh, seen that small indie film we're about to discuss and i had a bunch of dudes sat behind me who were basically the nerd equivalent of football hooligans and they were shouting at the screen going like and language approaching, but go on, Captain, fucking have him! And it was, it was strange. I've never been in a cinema where people were shouting at the screen like it was a football match or like a like a sports event. It was, it was, it was mad. Have you ever had that before? Um, no, that is wild. Yeah, never had, <laughs> never had that. I did have people that couldn't stay sat down though when I went when I went to see the small art house indie film that we're going to discuss <laughs> well that's that's part of the course when there's a film that's over like an hour and a half because people have the tiniest bladders and no foresight but yeah like, the, i think one of the good, one of the funniest things about the guys behind me is that they kept ruining their own good time because the entire group at some point got up at least twice and they had to keep crossing each other's path and like blocking each other's view of the screen so there was some schadenfreude there about like you know experiencing that they ruined their own experience a little bit as a group so i'm, I'm guessing yeah. they probably got drunk before they went in or something maybe or i don't know i mean i, I mean even if they were or weren't it's still not cool and the worst mm. part about it i think is they were genuine nerds like they knew all the stuff they were super into it they knew all the history they knew like certain reveals that were kind of coming up and certain things that were alluded to in the in the comics because they were openly talking about it or like half whispering to each other about it and while they were bannering 
Um, and I think that breaks my heart more than it would if it was just a bunch of douchebags sat in the cinema because, like, they should know better. They're one of us. They just had no, what would I call it, cinema etiquette, no manners. Well, nobody has cinema etiquette besides us. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's what I've been up to. So, yeah. Oh, my God, if I had the money to book out an entire screen every time I wanted to watch something. I'd also pay them to stop serving nachos and hot dogs, but that's another thing. And um, popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> what, you didn't pay for 40x? <laughs> you get people rattling, rattling around in your seat and like you get the, the smells and the sights and the sounds, all of it. That's what you pay for. Well, well I kind of had that with A Quiet Place. Is the, the guy next to me showed up uh, with his girlfriend uh, just as the movie was starting, which is mega annoying. And they sat next to me, even though the row was uh, fully empty, which was uh, also annoying. Uh, and they had like... They probably paid a lot of money for it because it was uh, Picture House Central on the West End, but it smelled like the cheapest smelling Chardonnay white wine ever that just <laughs> burned up my nostrils as soon as the guy sat down. And then because he couldn't, I assume because he couldn't scream out during the movie, which is, is quite a tense and uh, thrilling movie, um, because doing that would draw attention to yourself, he could only express his anxiety and fear through inhaling and exhaling louder than the fans in the xbox 360 he would just be like <sighs> like like he was giving birth or something it was like it was so distracting if it wasn't so funny it might have ruined the movie for me but it it, it was very it kept taking me out of the film in such weird ways because i think like there's a particular sequence in the movie um that people who've seen the movie will just know what i'm talking about where I thought the guy was going to die. I thought the guy was going to die. I just didn't think that he'd be able to take what was going on because he was just <laughs> hyperventilating almost. It, it was it was crazy. Maybe, maybe he was going to die. Who knows? Yeah. The red ring of death next to you. Why would he sit next to you? Why, who does that? Like, if you know yourself well enough to know that if you're going to freak out at a horror film, you don't sit next to a stranger when there's empty seats around the rest of the... Yeah, well, I... I think it's because in that cinema, like when you buy your ticket, you get an assigned ticket. And I think they just were like robotic about it because they got in there late. But uh, if they got there earlier, I would hope they would have seen, eh, actually, the rest of the uh, thing's uh, quite empty. No one's coming in now and taking a seat. <laughs> I don't know. It's like this happened, this happened to me on multiple occasions where I'll go and see a movie um, and it's usually it's a fairly empty screening. But because it's been reserved seats, often someone will see you sitting there and be like, oh, I don't need to sit directly next to this person. This is London. We don't sit next to people. We don't interact. And then other times they're just sitting right next to me. Like, and I was like, <laughs> dude, the whole cinema's free. Like, yeah. give me some space. That, that was my experience this weekend. I had to suck it up and sit next to strangers. Like, the only time I'm ever willing to do that is when I know that the cinema's going to be chock-a-block and that everyone's going to want to see the movie, and I'm thinking, okay, there's no escape. If you want to see this before it gets spoiled for you, you got to sit next to somebody. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And that's fine if it's packed, but when it's yeah. empty, leave me alone, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if you're going to die, do it in a different row. <laughs> do, it, do it in the back, in the far left corner. Yeah, do it in a row behind us, you know? <laughs> it's like, stick to your own place. Speaking and die quietly. Her, yeah, it's a quiet place. Die quietly. Yeah, and spe speaking <laughs> of uh, corner seats in cinemas, there's another thing that shouldn't exist. But anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get on to um, 
the uh, the two items of business that we had before we get into the nitty gritty of small art house films. We've got a list of nominees for the Eisner Awards, the 2018 Eisner Awards. We we now have a list of uh, nominees up and uh, some quite interesting ones on here, actually. And a couple of things that I think we have actually discussed on the cast as well. Um, so b- before you get stuck in, for people who don't know, what are the Eisners? So the Eisner Awards are pretty much the comic equivalent of the Oscars, if that's a good way to say it. Hmm. Hmm. And... Uh, it's where creators of comics, artists, writers, colorists, anyone involved in the making of a comic is celebrated and given their due for a really awesome piece of work they might have produced, similar to the way the Oscars works, where film creators and actors are given accolades for performing exceptionally and creating exceptional pieces of art. And yeah, it, that, that's pretty much what it is. It's just, it's like an award ceremony, like like the Oscars, but for comic books. And you'll often see like Eisner nominated logos and things like that on comics when you're buying them. If you've ever bought a trade paperback with like an Eisner nominated logo on it, maybe. Hmm. It's it's like a way of, it's like a, a seal of approval, like a way of marking a really awesome piece of work, I guess. And also a way of celebrating the creators behind that and a way of, um, a way of celebrating the art form as well, I guess. Some of the nominations, you get things like Best Short Story, Best Single Issue, Best Continuing Series, Best New Series, Best Humor Publication, Best Anthology, that that kind of thing. It's those kind of categories. And uh, some of the ones that I seem to, like on scanning the list that I've picked out, we've got X-Men Grand Design, uh, which is the Ed Pisker book that we discussed, uh, getting a nomination for Best Limited Series. Along with that, you've got Extremity by Daniel Warren Johnson, which is something that I've talked about on here as well. It's a 12-issue one that was published on Image, Skybound. And I'm torn, man, because I don't know who I want to win that. Even in that category as well, you've got Mr. Miracle, which is another one that we're <laughs> reading. <laughs> so <laughs> it's um, well, Black Panther World of Wakanda's in there as well, but I've not actually read an awful lot of that. Um, and I think compared to those other three big hitters, I, I'm sorry to say that it probably doesn't stand a chance. I don't know. Because Extremity is like really, really good. And Mr. Miracle has been amazing. Like we gush about Mr. Miracle at least once a cast, don't we? And uh, X-Men Grand Design is fantastic. It's a fantastic piece of work managing to condense a lifetime of x-men comics into a short easily digestible package that i think is really cool in uh, best new series actually and i noticed we've got uh saladin ahmed's black bolt and also redlands which is something that i've been reading which was uh jordi belair and vanessa del rey there's also uh, other things we've discussed on the cast that have turned up here we've got hellboy krampusnacht from our christmas special oh yeah yeah, yeah, which was uh, Mike Bagnola and Adam Hughes, and that was good. That was that's uh, a contender for best single issue. I think there's a couple of others in here as well. Um, just scanning through it, Batman Elmer Fudd for best humor publication. <laughs> that that was the Tom King one, um, which was like from the the DC Looney Tunes crossover stuff that they did. That was pretty cool, and I think that's now been collected in a trade it's been collected into a graphic novel, and it's now uh, well, I think that went on sale in February. So that's that's out there now. So you can you can get all of it. I mean, the only one, the only part of it I read, admittedly, was the Batman Elmer Fudd bit because that was the bit that was truly awesome. Or so I well, 
that that was the bit that I am always told is better than the rest of it, and that was the bit that I bought and the bit I read. But I think the rest of it is supposed is pretty cool as well. Uh, you've got things like a cross a crossover with Lobo and Roadrunner, and I think Martian Manhunter and Marvin the Martian as well. Um, Wonder Woman and the Tasmanian Devil, and Jonah Hex and Yosemite Sam, which could be quite interesting. But yeah, all in all, it's it's not a bad list this year, and um, I'm I'm torn on some of the categories because a lot of the things that are popping up. I'd like to see win, but then they're against other things that I'd like to see win. <laughs> so I don't know where I stand with most of this. I mean, what about what about you two? Have you two had a chance to have a quick look through it? Or Yeah, apart from all the, the Tom King stuff, because he's been nominated for Best Writer as well, which yeah. that would be cool to see him win. Um, I think not a lot stood out to me apart. Like, there's not much I've read from here, I think. I think uh, a book called Spinning by Tilly Walden, which I've read, yeah. which was uh, really good, semi-autobiographical as far as I can tell. That's under nomination for best reality-based work. I'd I'd say that is a good pick. I really enjoyed that book. Um, and then a couple of a couple of things which I haven't read, but this you know the, the whole part of the purpose of the Eisner Awards is to bring you onto things you may not have heard of. So there's a couple of stories in the best U.S. edition of international material um, Asia category. So Furari by uh, Jiro Taniguchi that looks really interesting. And um, Shiver by Junji Ito, which is one that I've picked mm. up and is really good. So I'm glad to see that that was um, not not so much glad to see it being nominated, but just glad to see confirmation of my good taste. Yeah, there's some there's some cool things in here that um, <laughs> I haven't actually gotten around to reading or haven't read yet and probably should. Um, mm. Things that we've been discussing outside of the cast, actually, like Giant Days, which... Oh, I love Giant yeah. Days. Yeah. That's that's up for best continuing series, and I I should probably get on that some point soon. And Black <laughs> Hammer as well, which I really wanted to get started on, which is the Dark Horse one. So yeah, there's some uh, there's some pretty good stuff this year, and uh, it will be interesting to see what comes out on top. Mm. Uh, either way, I will be simultaneously sad and impressed for some of the categories. That I, was saying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where when you've got multiple people you like in a category, essentially. You can't lose yeah. because, um, like some the some someone's work that you like is getting um, getting getting some love. So mm-hmm. it's always yeah. good to see. Um, my my personal sort of picks or ones that were like quite nice to me were the three ones that uh, Mitch uh, Gerard's got. Obviously, um, for his work on Mister Miracle, so like best limited series for Tom King. Best uh, Penciler Inca for Mr. Miracle again, and Best Colouring for Mr. Miracle. So mm. um, he his work on that has been very instrumental to, um, uh, for my uh, like love of that book. So it would be nice to uh, see him get some love. And, um, yeah, like some of the other ones you've mentioned, um, one we talked about on the cast before, Black Bolt by Salin Ahmed and Christine Ward. I quite enjoyed that. Um, I, I think, uh, as Rahul was saying, one of the be- better things about uh, when the nominee list comes up is just like when the nominees come up for any awards, especially things like the Oscars, it's like it gives you a chance to be like, oh, cool, let me check out some of these other nominees that I've not heard yeah. about or not got around to checking out. So um, I, I the, a few things from last year... Uh, the items last year ended up on my list of stuff to read, um, and I quite enjoyed. Um, and it's no different this year. So by the time the items actually roll around, I would hope to have um, read some of the more interesting-looking books that are up, um, have a better idea of, of uh, 
who's who's in the running. Yeah, definitely. The actual awards ceremony, it's a gala awards ceremony, it will be held on the evening of Friday, July the 20th at Comic-Con in San Diego. So, um, you've not actually got that long, Leon. <laughs> no, you, you never do that. You never do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'll clarify that my point, uh, my plan is not to catch up on all the nominees. Because <laughs> that is a fool's errand. It's just there's yeah. a few books that, um, or uh, like series that stuck out to me because um, I'd either heard them before mentioned elsewhere or I checked them out when seeing the nominees. Oh, that looks interesting. So it's a handful of stuff. I'm not trying to be comprehensive here. That that backfired on me with the Oscars anyway. So I'm not, I'm not going to And gonna it's going to be even tougher with comics because with Oscars, you've got a three-hour piece of film, up to three hours piece of film, usually around that sort of time to watch for each nomination i guess but with with this you've probably got like in some cases 20 25 comic books to read yeah it's horrible yeah (laughs) well it's not horrible but you know it's it's hot it'd be hot it'd be it'd be a a bit more of a mammoth task so that moves on to our second item of business which is a free comic book day which um, as I mentioned, well, I think I mentioned at the beginning of the cast is uh, Saturday the 5th of May. We've got a list of what's available now. Um, so free comic book day, for those of you who may not know, is a... Free comic book day. Well, yes and no. <laughs> it's a way of celebrating the industry and it's a way of getting more people into comics. It's a way of showing people what's out there, a way of getting the medium bit more in the spotlight and, and bringing people into local comic book shops and sort of getting them interested in what can often be perceived as a throwaway pursuit by some people i suppose um throwaway pursuit but also quite um hard to penetrate pursuit as well yeah. like it's hard to know where to start yeah. um and yeah like you said it's not just the shops that are just giving away comics they also put on events that you know they have um like painting for the kids they have signings they have you know um activities and stuff so it's pretty cool like it's a good way to get into the community it is yeah they they uh as as ray is saying there they bring guests in they have things like face painting and all sorts of stuff for kids and it's just it's a way of introducing like the younger generation to comics because some of the stuff that's available is child friendly and it's a way of like um opening opening up the medium and and something that may seem impenetrable something that may seem like an impossible mountain to climb it it, this is your way in kind of thing you know this is this is a way for you to sort of get in and start experiencing the magic of comic books and yeah and a way of celebrating the medium as i said before so we've got a list of some of the stuff that's available um that will be available on free comic book day um also want to add to um what i was saying that the comic books although they are free for you the public your local comic book store has to pay for these so they they pay for them and order them in and then they give them out for free to you so um it costs them money to lay on these events so uh, and and you know these are little independent comic stores most of the time so please go out and support your local comic book store and check out free comic book day oh yeah and and, and while you're in there maybe maybe actually maybe buy something as well <laughs> so pick up your free comics and pay for a comic as well grab something support your local comic book store we need these places so uh things that i've uh picked out from the list that i'm 
sort of most interested in. We've got from IDW Publishing Transformers Unicron Zero, which uh, looks like the prelude to an event, uh, an event within the IDW Transformers comics. I'll read out the uh, the little blurb that they've got on the uh, the previews list. So, uh, not a whimper, nor a bang. The end comes with a squall of entropy shrieking from the ravenous moor of death itself. The message is clear. Unicron has arrived. The Transformers lock into a desperate bid to save Rom's homeworld from the world killer. But what has Unicron chosen this world on his path? But why has Unicron, sorry, chosen this world on his path to Cybertron and Earth? The biggest story in the history of Transformers starts now, for Unicron's arrival can mean nothing less than the end of the universe. So I'm guessing this is going to be a play on the uh, the storyline that we get in the Transformers animated movie from the 1980s where Unicron, the world-eating world, decides that he's going to chomp Chow down on Cybertron. And I think this is probably going to take a sort of a similar line because... Uh, it's not just Cybertron in this one, though. We've got Earth as well at stake and Rom's homeworld. Rom was introduced as part of the Hasbro combined universe thing that IDW have been doing recently. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that sounds like it could be pretty cool. And I'd like to check out the uh, the issue zero, the free issue, just to see what that's going to entail. Because it'd be nice to see Unicron in a comic. It'd be interesting to see what they do with Unicron. Other things on this list, we've got another Captain America one. Uh, Avengers Captain America for free comic book day. Now, this, I think, is to introduce the new Captain America creative team because we've got new writers for Captain America coming in. We've got uh, Jason Aaron and Tanahisi Coates on writing duties. And it's a short story um, and it sets the stage for a new direction for the Marvel Universe, which is pretty much all you get from the preview blurb for it as well. So... Not a lot else to say on that until I pick it up and read it, but it'll be interesting to see what the new creative team can give us with regards to Captain America after all the controversy surrounding Captain America recently. Hmm. Other things, there's the uh, the uh, Infinity Watch Amazing Spider-Man free comic book day offering, which looks pretty cool. Well, the ones the one I was going to pick out, yep. well, there's, there's two. Um, one called Barrier which is the, the Image Comics. It's, it's called Image Comics Buy Sell. I'm not really sure what that means. But this comic, Barrier, is by Brian K. Vaughan. Um, mm-hmm. And that's all it takes to get me interested, I think. So just the cover looks really cool, like blue and purple landscape, like in a desert. Um, it, from the blurb from the website, it says it's an unconventional drama about violence, language, and illegal immigration with a shocking sci-fi twist. That sounds... Sounds like it'll appeal to all of us. And then secondly, um, a comic that I've actually bought uh, quite a few months ago and talked about on a previous episode is Maxwell's Demons, uh, written by Denise Camp, um, art and cover by Vittorio Estone. That's a Vault Comics comic. Um, they're a fairly relatively new publication company. Um, and this, yeah, I think if you backtrack to one of our previous episodes, I'll have, I, talk, I spent some time talking about that as well. So that would be good to pick up for free if you guys are interested. Yeah, um, yeah, I, uh, I I danced around that one on purpose because I saw it on the list and I thought you're going to want to talk about that, so I left <laughs> that one for you. Thanks, um, <laughs> there's uh, another one that I've uh, I've just picked up, which is on Aftershock Comics. Aftershock being the people that publish Cold War, which is a book that we've talked about previously on the cast. If you backtrack a couple of episodes, as I say, you, as Ray said, you'll find you'll find you'll, you'll probably be able to find Cold War as well. Um, so. 
This one is a story of community, religion, madness, and the first planet to succumb to the universe's biggest paradigm shift. A weary space traveller arrives on a primitive planet lost in the Dark Ages. The shamanic tribe who resides there are unsettled and uncertain about their future. They rely on hunting and gathering to survive until the charismatic traveller offers a tantalising and dangerous solution. The Relay, a monolith designed to spread conformity of ideas, technology and progress across all discovered worlds. So that sounds pretty cool. And of course, it's got Donny Cates' name on it. So yeah, sold. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Especially where I'm concerned. Can't get enough of Donny Cates these days. Um, And yeah, that, that about wraps it up this year for sort of like the big ones that kind of like glare at me from the list uh leon have you had a chance to check the list out not yet um i usually like to check fairly close to the day um so i've got a bit more excitement about what i want to grab so uh yeah f- for the time the what you guys have mentioned some cool stuff but i'm gonna wait until the day before keep it keep it keep it keep it wild well there's only there's one i want to point out just because i love the title because it's super belabored which i think maybe you'll be interested in uh, in is called the Meta Baron Book Three colon the Meta Guardianess and the Techno Baron <laughs> Techno Hyphen Baron sorry wow. so, yeah it's a, it's a great title I'll pick it up just on that that's a, that's a, I wrote this caffeinated at four a.m. title <laughs> <laughs> they haven't even written books one and two they just went straight to book three it's a that's, Star Wars situation in a, yeah in a Star Wars way yeah um, another one that I'll point out for you Leon is there's the brief history of Tank Girl for free okay cool so yeah. You might be interested in that. But yeah, that that's free comic book day this year. So we're looking forward to it and uh, looking forward to seeing what I can and can't score this year and what I managed to get hold of. And um, yeah, enjoying a day out with you guys and watching some fun movies and checking out some interesting places in London and whatever else, which should be pretty cool. Look, if we're following last year's template, we're not allowed to watch a fun movie. We're supposed <laughs> to watch a crap movie. Okay, <laughs> So start thinking about what we're going to do. Well, um, we, we've had a suggestion already, which is uh, the second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. I haven't even seen the first one. I'm talking about the Michael Bay ones, by the way, the, the ones that we do not speak of, the ones that reside in the black moor of some frozen eldritch hellscape. That's where I would say this is from. So, yeah, <laughs> we could we could watch that. Well, okay. let's discuss this later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> So, anyway, speaking of movies, um, there was this, like, little art house thing that we checked out, wasn't there? So, what we're going to do now is we're going to start talking about um, the latest Marvel blockbuster, Avengers Infinity War. We are going to uh, go into some detail. There will be spoilers, as I mentioned at the beginning of the cast. So, if you've not yet seen the film and you don't wish to be spoiled... This is your point to stop listening Uh, and then uh, return to us once you've watched the movie and see if your opinion matches ours. So uh, if you're going to stop listening now, then that says Comical's signing off. Go watch the film and then come back to us. So guys, the people who shouldn't be listening have stopped listening. The children have gone to bed. It's time to talk about the movie. Well, where, where do we start? Because it's a big film. Right? It is a big um, film, yeah. Like, overall impressions from everybody. What, what, did, you, what did you think of it, Greg? Because you've seen it twice now, right? Um, 
I liked it. I did. I thought I thought it was in keeping with um, what I've come to expect from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it, yeah, it, it was entertaining. It was good. It was nice to see Thanos on the big screen finally, you know, getting his, uh, getting his date. Well, not necessarily his debut, but getting his debut in terms of actual decent amounts of screen time and a fleshed out character for us to see in front of us and things like that. I thought that was quite fun. So yeah, I enjoyed the film. I did enjoy it. Um, in terms of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think it fits in really well. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah, there I, are, I, I, oh. sorry, go ahead. I was going to say there are, there are things about it that like li- little niggles with it that I will come to later when we get to those points. But yeah, I, I overall, I really enjoyed it and thought it was good. I mean, you're, you're just describing the Marvel template, basically. Like, it's it's great popcorn entertainment, yeah. um, but never without its flaws. You know? Exactly. What do you think, Leon? Um, yeah, I think it's... Um, I think it's a crowd-pleaser. Um, and there are some really cool sequences and really... Uh, fun interactions of characters that you've been wanting to interact for like a decade now and um well at, at least in the MCU but for, for some of us our whole lives but um I, I think it handles a lot of that stuff really well and the way people from these various different franchising franchises are now sort of exchanging quips with each other and playing off each other and teaming up in in cool ways during fights and stuff are um it, it, it it's it's a good it's a big fun movie um and i mean i don't need to recommend it because the whole planet's going to watch it but yeah i think it's um it's pretty much a solid entry into the into the canon but what it has in crowd pleasing moments um it kind of feels a bit hollow um mm. And it lacks the character of some of my favorite entries in, into the series, it, even like including the last two films that came out, um, for Ragnarok and Black Panther that just have their own flavor and character and seem to be like spicing up the formula a little bit. I mean, they, they, they still adhere, adhere to. A lot of the trappings of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I don't know. The, the, there's a, there's a, they seem to be trying to push the envelope and do something a bit more exciting. So, like, I think that this movie suffers that, um, where, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's like, in some ways, it's it's less than some of its parts, which is mm-hmm. is, is a bit odd, but kind. Kind of to to be expected in a thing like this, but I mean, I've got a lot more to say when we actually go into like uh, running through um, the film. But yeah, I say overall, it's um, it's a good film. I had a lot of fun with it while watching it, and I'm looking forward to, to seeing it again. And there's some moments that were just um, really exhilarate, exhilarating and fun. Um, but yeah, there's there's like. I have got I've got reservations in terms of how it feels, the tone, and sort of how 
the story progresses. Like, mm. I, I think, I think in some areas they just don't pick the most interesting choice in how to proceed with things. Mm. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I had a, I had a, had a blast. I had, I had, a, I had good fun with it. Yeah, yeah to your point about it feeling kind of hollow, and like you made a really good point about how more of the recent Marvel films like Thor have got their own flavor. I feel like as a consequence of how many pieces they have to play with, like on this checkerboard of like setting up this big climactic battle, it is it that by virtue of that, it makes it kind of hollow because like by having to fit in so many things going on, they have to have this really overly economic storytelling style. So even stuff like where the scenes close and the, you know, the, when, when the scene closes and one of the characters makes a quip and then so, like it cuts really quickly after they've made a joke to the next scene because they have to save as much time as possible. That's, that's how it feels. And like, I'm sure there's moments where those, those, you know, drawing out those final moments and like letting something linger are there, but you notice it all the more when it's not there in the, in when it's, there's so much happening. Um, and it feels like it's, more direct and kind of less playful or witty uh, in its pacing and its direction than previous films. Even the the first Avengers film, I think the the Joss Whedon Avengers film, because it was it was still doing this landmark bringing all the pieces together, but it it still had more space to move. And it's just a shame. I think I kind of don't blame them for having these problems with such a big project. But yeah, I I, I left feeling a little bit hollow as well from it. But again, I still had a really good time. All the individual things that were happening were really cool but yeah i think we can we can talk about what the stakes are of it as well later which i yeah. think come into play having having seen it twice now um i can concur with the sort of like it feels bland in comparison to recent entries like leon said um it's almost when, like they're ticking off boxes yeah. of things they need to get done right yeah in in terms of fulfilling the Marvel formula, like I was saying at the beginning, yes, it is what I've come to expect from the Marvel universe, Marvel MCU, and it is it is it's an Avengers film. That's its flavor. It's Avengers flavor. So if like Age of Ultron and things like that, it, it's Avengers mm-hmm. flavor. It's like it, it's um and and in com- it, with being compared to Thor Ragnarok and um, Black Panther, it doesn't have as much style because it's all of them lumped together and everyone sort of they're all drowning each other out maybe yeah that's a good point yeah so mm. i think i get i think i get that, that 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 certain certain quirks and certain stylistic choices that have been brought in by other entries into the the timeline and the franchise so to speak have been drowned out by the fact that it's all been brought together and everything's had to be muted and brought down to the same level for it all to fit. Yeah, yeah, it feels like it's been sort of normalised. Uh, yeah, like, like sound editing, it, it feels like all all the peaks and troughs have sort of been uh, brushed out to be a line. Yeah, and mm. I mean it's, it's apparent. I'm not going to get into any proper specifics here because it's it's a, a, a longer conversation. But um, there's certain things here like that um from the different franchises leading up to this that it feels like a copy of that yeah but it it, yeah. it doesn't feel like um that it, it doesn't feel like as fresh or as um uh, it doesn't yeah it doesn't feel as authentic as those characters in their own movies um 
And that, yeah, I think there's three uh, sets of characters where you feel this the most, but to varying degrees. Um, but where like it feels a bit like a diet version of of these characters that we we got in their own movies, and mm. it's not necessarily a, a big check against it, but uh, it does seem like uh, part and parcel of what they're trying to do with this film. Um, and in some cases it works, and in some cases it doesn't work. Well, I've I've got the sense following that like i've got i've got family who really enjoy the guardians of the galaxy movies right um they don't particularly like any of the other uh you know marvel properties they just really like guardians of the galaxy and if they came into this movie wanting more guardians of the galaxy i think that's like they would be disappointed by as you said this kind of facsimile of the thing that they loved having been compressed into this film and it doesn't quite live up to each of the individual characters that you get from each of the individual films yeah it's it's like it's like guardians of the galaxy with some of the colors dulled yeah 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 uh, or it, it, the, the same goes for black panther and thor ragnarok as well like the, the mm. precedent that's been set for thor films now for them to be crazy cosmic fun and pull in all these like awesome Kirby-esque elements and things like that, which is what I think Thor Ragnarok did quite well. Yeah. Because it got like that cosmic side of things and whatever. And it's just been muted down and the neon isn't as as bright as it should be. And, you know. And Um, you can see them trying because like some of the dialogue and interaction between some of these things harkens to that, but it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't live up to the potential, I think. Conversely, you can see exactly why they couldn't do it like mm. that as well because otherwise everything would drown out the blandness of the core avengers movies <laughs> <laughs> because of of all of the properties that they've brought together of all of the entries into the marvel universe i think this is this is part one of the problems i have with it actually is is uh when we start going through the summary of the story of the film and we do things step by step it will become more apparent but the fact that you've you know like i i think now as far as these films go as far as what we've what we've learned and and all these other new characters that have been introduced and and all these better films i i think that tony stark is really really boring i'm bored (laughs) of tony stark i am bored of iron man right well it's been a decade isn't it (laughs) yeah i'm bored of iron man and i'm getting bored of the hulk now as well it's the way Mark. I'm getting bored of Mark Ruffalo's Hulk anyway, <laughs> but <laughs> you know it's just <sighs> so frustrating that because those they they those two are like really that that part of it that part of it these uh like that the, these um how do I describe them they're like the, the the they were the beginning they were like the the first Avengers films the first Avengers the first Avengers films and the first parts of the mcu going right back to the beginning of the mcu you had iron man you had the hulk you had captain america and those are now the bits i'm bored of like the flavors that i don't want anymore like if if you give me a multi-pack of crisps and there's captain america flavor (laughs) iron man flavor and hulk flavor in there and um uh, uh, give it give it you know black panther flavor i'm going to choose black panther flavor every time because i'm bored of those other ones you know it's like (laughs) 
I mean, I, I get where you're coming from because I can sympathize. I, I feel like I'm more on your page than not, but you don't, you're not representative of the audience at large. I think, exactly. I think people still yeah. really want to see Iron Man. People still really want to see, you know, and they still, they want to see yeah. Black Panther as well. Cause that's, that was huge. Yeah. Um, but I don't know people don't want to lose the things that they're fond of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll see where that goes. I mean, we can, you mentioned going through the, the movie bit by bit. Should we, st- should we dive into that now? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you've, uh, you've got a summary, haven't you? I've been attempting to piece together a summary, both yeah. like from memory and like using Wikipedia and TV tropes and whatnot. But yeah, so and you you guys are gonna have to like dive in and help me here if I'm missing out anything and like yeah. chime in when you want to mention something. But yeah. so it, basically, the film starts with Thanos already in possession of the Power Stone, and we see basically a continuation of what was the stinger at the end of the credits from uh, Thor three where Thor's ship with all of his, um, you know, all of the people who escaped the destruction of Asgard uh, are on this giant spaceship and they run into Thanos' spaceship and it kind of, you know, lingers on on that note there. We see the aftermath of their encounter um, and basically Thanos has, as far as I can tell, either killed them all or killed half of them, which is his, you know, his MO. His MO is to kill half of the population of the universe um, for the benefit of all. And it looks like basically everyone except Thor and Loki are dead on that ship. And Heimdall. And Heimdall. Well, I was going to get to that. So in in like rushing through this, uh, Thanos intercepts Thor's ship. Um, he steals the Space Stone, the, the Tesseract, which we've been seeing since... Um, I forget which... Was it Avengers 1 that we first saw the Tesseract? The blue, uh, the blue cube that Loki. It's, it's in Captain America: First Avenger, I think. Yeah. it is. Yes, it is, that was the uh, MacGuffin in that Skull film. Has it? Yeah, correct. Yeah, space. Um, yeah, and so Than- I mean, basically, like rushing through this, Thanos kills Loki. He takes a space stone, um, kills Heimdall, uh, traps Thor, and as Heimdall is, um, you know, in his death throes, he sends the Hulk back to Earth. Oh, and Thanos has like a bit of a scuff up with Hulk. Um, but, like, in the first scene that we get to see just how strong Thanos is, he basically beats Hulk down. My, uh, my first problem with the film is here. Right? <laughs> Where's Valkyrie? Where is Valkyrie? Yeah. See, I, I had this, but of this sequence, it's, uh, not, not as bad for me, because I've got a theory. But yeah, my first thing was, yeah, where's Valkyrie? Where's, um... What are they called again? The the dudes. Um, oh, what's the, the name dudes, of the... the the friends that Thor made on? Yeah, yeah. On Planet Hulk for I can't one of a better names. Term. One's Mike. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but whatever. Like, um, I mean, they might be dead. <laughs> I I don't think they are. Uh, I reckon uh, they. Are, I, I reckon some of the Asgardians uh, made it off because I think it's. Like I'd hope this not, isn't the case because it's kind of crap to have the last movie before. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> oh, these are the last vestiges. These are the last people. Basically, Battlestar Galactica. This is the last, and then to have them all massacred uh, straight away off screen in yeah. pretty much the yeah. next chronological movie. So I reckon a bunch of them escaped, and it was Valkyrie and Rock Dude to uh, Valkyrie and Korg. Got them right. Korg, yeah, of course, yeah, Korg, Korg, yeah. Valkyrie and Korg who got them away, like, um, that's what I assume, um, has happened, because there's no way that they're dead. 
Well, mm. this this is kind of a problem that I have with this film overall about walking back things that were really dramatic in very recent films um, and like undoing them really briefly without much fanfare, but then giving stuff that's been 10 years in the making lots of weight. And there's an inconsistency in that, but we can I can point out those things later. But like we do get to see in this opening how just how strong Thanos is. And like this cool moment of Loki introdu- introducing the Hulk and it's like, we have a Hulk and then he smashes into him and then you get to see that beat down. Um, I, I, I really like that fight. I thought it was cool. Like, yeah, yeah. That was cool. Yeah, I, I, did, I, did, uh, I did love that. Uh, especially when uh, Ebony Moore, uh, one of uh, the, the the Black Order, but the, the children of Thanos in this, aren't they? Mm, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But like, he's just like, he... he um, he tells, I think it's Col Obsidian or whatever. He just says, "Don't worry about this. Like, oh, I found, um... let Thanos have some fun." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, um, it's uh, Ebony Moore telling um, White Dwarf, I believe the name of the character is. Okay, uh, let me just find that and uh, confirm it for you. But like, yeah, oh, Black it's... Dwarf. Yeah, it's Black Dwarf. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but isn't he called? Call Obsidian in the movie. Yeah, um, they have. Let's have a look. You've got Black have... Dwarf. Ebony Moore is the uh, wizard type dude. Uh, Proxima Midnight is the um, the girl with the horns, <laughs> and uh, Corvus Glaive is the guy with the with the glaive. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right. Call Obsidian is is the British guy. Yeah, Call Obsidian. Yeah. yeah. So he he's he has two names. Black Dwarf, Call Obsidian. I know him as Black Dwarf, but. Yeah, yeah, but in in the movie yeah. continues pops in. Anyway, uh, the thing I like about that sequence is uh, it's like I was a big fan of the Marvel Superheroes game on the PlayStation One era, and they, that had Infinity Stones as well. And you could, you when you uh, got one, they just would appear during the battle as you're fighting, and you could mm-hmm. like activate it. And mm-hmm. it felt kind of like that when Thanos. It felt like Thanos activated the uh, Power Stone. Mm. Uh, and the way to deliver that combo and the Hulk, and I thought it was going to bane him when he lifted yeah. him in the air. <laughs> yeah. But like, as cool as like, I, I like this sequence. Um, but as cool as it is, and I, I like that we see the aftermath of this attack, and we don't see the actual attack of it. I think that's cool. Mm. What I what part of the thing I don't like about this is I kind of hate that we don't see. Thanos get the power stone slash orb from Xandar. Yeah. From the Nova Corp. Like it's just yeah, yeah, yeah that happened. Like oop, that happened. Like yeah, yeah, of course that happened. It's like and I'm not saying I need everything spoon fed and I need to see it, but it it's it ta- kind of takes some dramatic weight. It's like, yeah he's got one already. And yeah. of course it's the power whole, stone to make him this, powerful. We had this whole thing where the Nova Corps were introduced. Was it Guardians two? It was Guardians one. one. Am I getting? Confused? I'm not. I'm not sure. They, like, definitely in the first film, we see him. Yeah. Like, allegedly hand over the stone to them. To the Nova Corps. Yeah. Is it? Is yeah. it all? Is it all blowing into one? After the I dance. So. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is all blowing into one in my mind. Yeah. So after <laughs> the dance off, he hands over the stone, uh, and we've we've had like this whole, you know, other part of the universe introduced, and then all of a sudden, bang, they're gone. Like Leon's saying, it just it just takes it takes the wind out of it a little bit, and and makes makes the whole effort seem almost like the effort of introducing and writing these characters into the into the movie universe. It like it just completely like makes that effort in, it makes that effort seem insignificant, even though it shouldn't be. Yeah, and I think a way they could have alleviated this is that 
in a post-credit sequence in maybe four Ragnarok, they could have probably shown like uh, Xandar like destroyed, um, and someone trying to get a distress signal or something like mm, just yeah. something to show that because we haven't seen Xandar or the Orb slash Power Stone since Guardians One. That was like so long ago that um, it, it I know it just feels like such a disconnect. Like yeah, I've got that stone already. It's annoying because yeah. they they waste post credit scenes on really throwaway things like the um like the gags at the end of Spider Man where you could seed in that kind of stuff there like that would be a great moment to show something that has a lot of weight but you don't want to spend that much time you know like you want to expedite the the amount of scenes that you're going to put into this film you could put it into those moments that's what they were designed for to do begin you, with but do you yeah. think that it's a symptom of their kind of behind themselves a little bit now with writing? And things aren't written by that point, so they can't Possibly. tease it because they don't know it's going to happen yet. Maybe. I mean, I'm not privy to, <laughs> to yeah. what their schedules are like, but you think the, they would. I mean, like I mean, yeah, that's a possibility because like scripts are being written and stuff. But a lot of these movies were made at the same time, and yeah. it's evident in this movie just from some of the stuff they do that they they know they've got a, an idea of what's going on. So, for instance. Mm-hmm. The four in this movie is the uh, the witty, uh, like, clapback dude from Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, uh, and a, a lot of the... There's a lot of continuity stuff of the last movies, which is in here. So there's a general idea of what was going on. Like, uh, the fact that... I don't want to jump forward too much, but, like, the fact that... Um, uh, Mbaku and the Jabari are like a, a big part of this end battle is like that's something where you couldn't really have foreseen how popular they would have been so there is some foresight in that sense which just it's just weird how in this sense it's just for economy they just decided they didn't care yeah, yeah. and I think part of that is because they let Guardians 2 sort of be its own thing and because it's set it's one of the first ones that's not in, like, it's not in continuity. Like most of it, most of the MCU has been this film happens and this that film happens, and at times moving that way. But I think Guardians Two might have been. I think it's the first one where we actually it's set before the movie that came before it because it's, it's set not long after Guardians One. And mm-hmm. I think part of that by them allowing i was really surprised that there wasn't any infinity stone stuff in guardians 2 i was yeah. expecting it a lot and i think i think that actually may have that that's where they could have seeded it cuz a post credit sequence in that movie could have seeded like nova uh the the nova Corp getting 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 messed up but um yeah i mean it's not a big thing it's just it's just a bit uh I don't know, just, it's a bit off, like, for me, because it, it just, it, it's not media res in a cool way, it's just media res in, like, yeah, he's got it, it's like, don't worry about it, he's just got it. Yeah. He's just got this stone. He just has it by this point. Because, yeah, cause bear in mind, as I was just going to say, bear in mind, like, the cool post credit sequence from, I think it's Age of Ultron, yeah. where he's like, fine, I'll do it myself, and he puts, mm. grabs the gauntlet. That, that movie, had, it was ages ago. <laughs> Like this is years ago that that happened, and they they could have um, they could have done a bit more with the Soul Stone, I think. 
Like, yeah, I, I think to introduce I think that, that pre this because I think to introduce yeah, the Soulstone yeah. pre this film. Yeah, no, yeah, that, yeah, that's a bit. I was, I was gonna when we get to that bit later. I've got I've got things to say about that. Yeah, I think yeah. we all have opinions on that. <laughs> so, so okay, so at, at end of this gates. scene, yeah, out of the gates. So Heimdall, um, in his in his dying moments, sends the the Hulk back to Earth, um, and we see Bruce Banner smashing through the Sanctum Santorum uh, in New York. And telling, I've got, I got Doctor S, and I keep wanting to say Doctor Sherlock, um, Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he tells him about Thanos. He basically says he's coming and he's on his way, and he's this, this huge destructive force that you, you know, we need to know about. And the plan, uh, Thanos' plan to kill half of all of the life in the universe. Um, so in doing so, they basically try to find Tony Stark. They find him talking to Pepper Potts in the park, and then just whisk him off um, without much warning to to the Sanctum Sanctorum, and they. Um, like they, I, f- I forget what they talked about. See, so much stuff happens. I forget they have like a, a whole chat about how they need to um, call Captain America, but he's refusing to do that because they're not on speaking terms after the events of Civil War. Um, and they basically go into a fight with Morn Obsidian um, on the streets of New York. Here's uh, here's the first bit that w- where it differs from the uh, the Infinity Gauntlet comic that this sort mm. of like one of the one of the many things that this is heavily based on uh, this is i think this is the one that it draws the most from um of of all the because I, I will obviously be talking about where certain parts come from if i know if i know the answers to this well as we go through but um so where with the inf- the original infinity comic storyline uh which was published um way back in the 90s early 90s i think it was um You've got um, the, the, in this in this movie they've sent the Hulk to Doctor Strange, but in the uh, in the comic it was the Silver Surfer. Ah, right. So the Silver Surfer turns up at Doctor Strange's front door and warns him about Thanos and encourages Doctor Strange to get in touch with everyone else. Because Strange by this point is already an Avenger or is already Avenger adjacent and has you know worked with them previously. Fair enough. I mean, the yeah. one thing the Marvel um, Cinematic Universe writers have done really well is to, you know, condense those things and, um, like, pick out the, the best alternative using the existing cast to tell that story. And I think it makes sense with Hulk, because yeah. literally he gets smashed into the into the building. And of all of the people who could survive that, it's Bruce Banner as the Hulk. So I, 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 I feel like that works with, what you know, using what they have. I just, I just imagine them having to hit a meeting room and have a massive... Uh... A massive session to try and figure out what they're going to do every time they hit a point like this in a book that they want to adapt <laughs> or something. Just like... Well, I don't think they're trying that hard to hew that close to the original. Story. They're not. They certainly I didn't know. win Civil War. Yeah. So. They're not. Mm. They're not. Uh, because it's largely impossible because they don't own a lot of the characters <laughs> that they need. But yeah. Plus I just, it would I just... be awful. Yeah. Yeah. It would. <laughs> um. So yeah, that that's just something that I wanted to bring up just there. Just that's where it starts to deviate. Um, mm. It and like I think I think this is just me being being me and being being a comics fan. But I do get frustrated sometimes when you know that someone's missing, and you think, yeah. wouldn't this movie be so much cooler if the Silver Surfer was there? Or wouldn't this movie be so much cooler if the Fantastic Four were allowed to appear? You know, <laughs> and it's just. See, I- <laughs> See, I, I have a, like, a different thing with that because I, I only get that feeling where I think the adaptation has handled it poorly and I mm. think, oh man, it would have been way better if they just did 
or at least took a took more influence from the book. But often the books are just so unwieldy and messy. I would hate that in a in a film, uh, and like I I would hate in its current form if like the Fox uh, entities were part of the MCU. Ah, uh, it would be, be such a mess. I'm I'm so happy they're not part of it at the moment because Fantastic Four, the X Men, it just it's too much. I just don't. I I, I it would be too much. It would be the joke that everybody was saying about Infinity War, where all these yeah. characters are there for like uh, and have like one line and move on. When you, when you start bringing um, the uh, the X Men into it, especially because there's so many of them, so many of them, it's ridiculous. Um, and and like to introduce like all these X Men characters and give them all enough screen time and everything else, like you're saying, it would be it would get to the point of. Uh, like it'd be turn into it turn into a farce, wouldn't it? Hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean some of the other stuff as well. Like to to start introducing like uh, characters from the Marvel TV properties that do actually appear in within the Avenger within the oh, Avenger within the Infinity storylines in the comics. You, you end up with characters like uh, Daredevil popping up and things like that, and all these like street level guys. And to introduce all of them would be a bit. It would. It. It. Yeah. I, I can see what they've done and why they've done it to streamline it. I can. Yeah, because that's the thing with with these scenes in New York. Uh, we basically only see three of them. We see Stark, Strange, and Spider Man, and then the ancillary like Doctor Strange. Uh, I, I guess I need the one character, isn't it? What was his name? Wong. Uh, Wong. Wong. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And we get basically get to see the four of them, and like we 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 get our second fight in the movie, so we get to see. Um, more and who is it? Uh, More and Obsidian fighting Iron Man and Wong and Doctor Strange, and then also we get to see Spider Man. Uh, yeah, in his in his cool little, we get to see his sidekick as well on the bus, causing a distraction and flinging out of the bus to go and help Iron Man, which is like you know his first heroic act without really thinking of the consequences, which seems to be uh, Peter Parker's problem in this film, like. This, the snowballing problems that he finds himself in. Um, but yeah, he goes off to, you know, to help, help Iron Man, and it basically culminates in them being semi-successful, but having Doctor Strange be captured by more because he has the Time Stone, and that's yeah. essentially what he's after. He's like, I don't need to kill you, I just need to get this stone from you. Um, so he gets, he gets whisked off inside a spaceship, Spidey goes after him, and Iron Man, in his first act of trying really hard to keep Spidey away from harm... Um, like triggers his parachute, and in the attempt to try and get him back on back on land, um, you know, away from the spaceship that's like constantly rising up into space. Yeah, but he doesn't succeed. Like Spider Man being stubborn, he you know uses the, the the fresh new suit that we see at the end of Homecoming that he hadn't been given yet. You know, as, as the Iron Spider, the Iron Spider. Yeah, he puts on the suit. He you know he can breathe in space, and he uses it to stick to the spaceship. And basically, him and Iron Man end up on that spaceship. Um, away from earth in a really like one of the moments that this film gets really right and on an emotional level where we get to hear pepper Potts talking to iron man again like she's had to do this in the past you know speak or they've had to do this to each other in the past where he took the nuclear bomb and was trying to get it through the the portal in avengers one you know we hear her voice comms crackling as he's trying to talk to her and you know it's this, the first of many heartbreaking moments we get for iron man especially yeah. as for him like he was feeling this was a one-way journey, like going up there. Mm. 
didn't think he was going to come back. Um, but, um, I was just going to say, uh, this, <laughs> I like this stuff from when Hulk lands to when Tony's there, and I just love all the banter. I love Stark going up against Strange, um, and their two egos bumping against each other. Mm. I, I love the stuff with uh, Ebony Moore when, when him and uh, Obsidian first arrive. I love some of the stuff that happens during that fight, like where, uh, like, Obsidian gets like tossed and like more yeah. doesn't even move out of the way. He just moves yeah. him and lets him smash into some cars. Um, like splits I, the thing in front of him. That's yeah, barreling towards him. Yeah. And I, I love, I love the, the the fight, the fights and stuff, and like how um, Bruce trying to get the Hulk out and it, it not coming. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> all all the stuff of like just yeah. the thing that this movie had some Spider Man stuff that was missing from Homecoming that I really liked, and that was web slinging and and Spidey combining with other people to like grab stuff and throw things back and yeah b- being like uh like awestruck but also like fun spider-man like yeah I, I think the thing that the the russos really get right um is is their version of spider-man and and he's always a joy in in their movies the russos being the russo brothers who directed this mm. this movie um and... just a... oh sorry carry on the Russos directed Civil War. They directed Winter Soldier. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well uh, as this new Avengers film. Yeah. yeah. So, um, just a bit of um, a side point. We're, we're throwing these names around: uh, Corvus Glaive, um, uh, and, and Ebony Moore, and um, we've not really. So, so this is like where the influence of a second uh, Infinity storyline comes in. So one of the other Infinity events. Uh, these guys are from the 2013 Marvel Infinity. Um, and they are Thanos' Black Order. Uh, in the in the comic books, they're a team of aliens who work for Thanos. And Corvus Glaive um, is actually supposed to be the leader of them. Um, and he is, um, in the books... Um, He's actually the husband of Proxima Midnight, so those two are married. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, uh, it feels different. It feels like Ebony Moore is the is in charge mm. a little bit I, when you. Uh, I when, like that the stuffy wizard yeah. character gets to be in charge. Yeah, yeah. It feels like he's the leader in the movie, but actually, uh, in the comic books, it would be Corvus Glaive would be the sort of like the ringleader of. Uh, Thanos's Black Order. Uh, they are the, they're they're his children in this film, I believe. He calls them the children of Thanos. So hmm. um, I think uh, these are people that he's treated in a similar way to the way he's treated Gamora and Nebula over the years. Hmm. But yeah, um, they're they're nice. pretty cool characters, and and it was it was good to see them uh, on the screen finally, and and getting into some scraps. <laughs> um, and that that fight you mentioned there in New York. Uh, the the Doc Strange and um, the the Doc Strange stuff was really cool with that, like uh, the the way the the the, uh, the way he fought with the magic and everything. I really yeah, that. and then like him and Wong, where there's yeah. the bit where Moore sends all those he, he gets like bricks and sharpens yeah. them up or something, Turns and then they send that for a whole, yeah, yeah, and, and, he, gets hit by and he sends them straight back again, yeah. Um, so moving on from there, Ray, where do we go next? Right. I'm only halfway through my four or maybe five page summary of this movie. So let's, yeah, let's pick up the page. Yeah. Um, yeah. so at end, basically the end of this scene culminates in, 
um, Doctor Strange haven't been taken on that ship. Uh, Iron Man and Spidey are with him, um, trying to get him, you know, trying to save him. And Banner calls Captain America using Tony's phone that, um, you know, Steve Rogers had left with Tony at the end of Civil War. So uh, we fly to Scotland and we see the Vision and Wanda. Yeah. And um, basically, they're like they're trying to have a romantic um, getaway, and they're attacked by. Um, I, I I think some of the same characters we just saw in the previous scene. So part of the uh, part of Thanos's children is is the other two. The so other the two, two went yeah. to New York and then two went to Edinburgh. Right. So we see these other two attack them, um, and they're basically saved by Captain America and Black Widow and the Falcon. Yeah, and this is where we meet uh, Proxima Midnight and um, Corvus Glaive. That's the um, yeah. The, uh, the 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 thing. Another thing that I wanted to mention is by this point, uh, Bruce Banner can't turn into the Hulk because the Hulk is sulking because he got beat. <laughs> oh yeah, because he got beat by Thanos and just yeah. re- refuses to come out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I, I... see so this whole Edinburgh portion hmm. has some, some good and some bad. Uh, I do not buy Vision and Scarlet Witch as a couple, and it's just. Uh, I, I don't care. Like, it, it just doesn't work for me. I don't think yeah. there's chemistry there or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. But it's just <laughs> with these particular actors and what, what we had on them on screen in the last couple of movies, it just feels a bit empty to me. And I, I don't know what it, it's not a slight on any of the actors. The two actors yeah. that I, I quite like, but I just don't think it's, it's one of the many things that this movie does, uh, where I just, I don't think it earns it, um, and it, it doesn't really work for me. There's something uh, for me that feels a bit detached about it when they're supposed yeah. to be acting mm-hmm. as a couple. It, they don't feel like... It doesn't feel what? right. It just feels a bit, like, um, detached and uneasy. I never I thought that either of them wanted the yeah. relationship to begin with. Like, I don't understand why they're suddenly a couple, but them's the breaks, I guess. I mean, they, they, do, they do show some of it in, in yeah. Civil War and Age of Ultron, but... Yeah, it, 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 it just does, it feels like it just went to a hundred. Uh, I know there's been a two year gap since we last saw them, but yeah, yeah it just doesn't, doesn't work for me. It's a, it's I mean, a it, thing they've shoehorned in from the comics, Ray. That's why. No, I know, I know. Yeah, and it also, yeah. um, I forgot my point now. Um, oh, it is, yeah, it's also made clear that they're, they're not like living apart from the Avengers. They're, you know, this is almost like a short holiday for them. And yeah, getaway. They, yeah, it was a short getaway for them. Um, but I, one thing I loved about this whole thing is Captain America's introduction, where mm. we see, God, who was it? I keep, I keep forgetting these names, the, the children of Thanos. Like I, Proxima Midnight. Proxima Midnight. I have to admit, I almost don't care about these villains. Like, I, I'm not that invested in them. Proxima Midnight throws her spear into the shadows, and shadowy fella catches it, steps into the light, and it turns out to be Captain America with his slick back hair and his awesome bushy beard. Well, it's like the build-up to that is amazing as well because, like, I mean, it's a, it's a shot we see in the, in the trailers, but mm. it's um, the trains going by and oh, Scar- yeah. Scarlet Witch has just been like bouncing around, uh, like fight fighting um, Proxima Midnight. Who I would add, I think uh, after Ebony Moore, she's got like the best uh, like voice acting, and it's and it's it, it's it's not a surprise considering it's. Uh, Kerry Coon, who I'm a big yeah, fan of, yeah. but like um, I, I think her performance is really good as the character. Hmm. But like, yeah, they're, they're bouncing around, fighting, smashing through the train station, and everything, and then the train goes by, and then it's just 
they're like, huh? What's, what's over there? What's she looking at? And then it's just badass beard man <laughs> walks out of the shadows. I love that shot of the train going by past, yeah. um, past Scarlet Witch. That's a, that's a really cool moment. Captain Rugged meets Robo, Mio, <laughs> and Juliet. But, but, yeah, but no. I mean, the, the, essentially what comes out of this is that they've been attacked and they discovered that what they want, which they all knew, is the uh, the Mind Stone from, the, from Vision's forehead. And again, in broad strokes, Vision basically offers to sacrifice himself by having Wanda destroy the, the stone in his forehead to stop Thanos from being able to get it. Um, and everybody else is saying, like, no, no, don't do that. We'll take you to Wakanda because they've got the technology to remove the stone without, you know, killing you. Which is fair enough, but I feel like they should have discussed that option a little more. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you thought Vision would have been the one to to discuss the whole point of the needs of the, the many versus the needs of the few thing. But fair enough, they, they don't spend that long on it before they, they whisk yeah. him off to Wakanda. They don't and... trade in lives, so... Well, yes, they, he, does, he does say he does say that line, which basically summarizes all of it, doesn't it? Yeah, this is why yeah. we're going to go to all of this hassle and yeah. keep keep one element of a universe destroying, you know, entity. Yeah. What in, he's in what he's uh, but... what 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 he's saying is we're the good guys, so we're going to be good guys. That's it. <laughs> yes, fair yeah. enough. I'm not going to argue it because that's part of the the plot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, so they they take him to Wakanda, and then well, at this point, b- before then, they do go to the Avengers complex. Yes, they see Rhodey, don't they? Rhodey and um, Thunderbolt Ross, hmm. and that's when they decide to go to. Well, that's when Cap's like, "I know a place." Yeah, and they go to Wakanda. Yeah, right. and Rhodey gets court-martialed. Yeah. All of this um, stuff that happens, like, yeah. as though it's it kind of gets brushed off really easily. Because we, like, I'm going to say I didn't really care. I just wanted to see them move the plot along, which is yeah. also one of the things that I criticize about this movie. So maybe I'm a bit of a hypocrite. <laughs> I didn't. Um, I didn't feel like it had pace issues. It didn't. It didn't feel like I was sitting there for two hours when I was watching it. But mm, there are points enough. where it was. It, it was a little bit slow. Where I could say, yeah, come on, next bit, come on. More space stuff, please. Yeah. Well, yeah. speaking of more space stuff, we yep. get um, this amazing title which just says space, and we're introduced <laughs> to the Guardians of the Galaxy, um, and they're responding to this the distress call from um, the ship that Thor was on, and we basically get this cool shot of Thor smacking into their ship, and then his eye opens, and everybody's freaked out because like, who's this guy in space? Um, and they bring him into the ship, uh, and where were we? <laughs> so he's on the ship. And they wake him up. They wake him up. They have all this exposition chat about uh, who Thor is and what he wants and who Thanos is and what they're after and, you know, where where all the pieces of the puzzle are. And the thing... Here's one of the things that I alluded to earlier, where you have um, the character moments and, like, the literally the character of the movie of Guardians of the Galaxy, like, that's that style, that tone, and the style and tone of the new Thor movies, and they, I feel like they try and bring that in into these scenes where you have Thor interacting with um, Peter Quill, and, you know, Peter Quill's, it, it, you know, inadequacy and anxiety around around Thor, and, every, you know, all of his companions are making comments about how how buff and how strong he is and he's trying to put on his deep voice and stuff and it's this is where i feel like like leon said it's almost a facsimile of yeah better movies before it yeah it's 
where where uh, Drax is saying things like an angel had a baby with a pirate and <laughs> yeah, and, but that's the thing is I think out of the three which uh, I mentioned three earlier and then you guys uh, correctly mentioned the three uh, movies I was talking about is that I reckon of the three Guardians the Guardians characters come off the best or like mm. the closest to because like at first when they're just on the ship that did feel like oh, I've watched Guardians of the Galaxy and I'm writing Guardians of the Galaxy. But then once 4 gets there, I do think that stuff is genuinely funny and it does feel quite natural for the characters. But it's when, it's when uh, later on in the film, it, it doesn't come across right because the tones don't match properly and they just come across as morons. Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think a little, yeah, it edges towards that. It gets that they're just irritating when they're viewed through the lens of regular vanilla flavored Avengers. It gets irritating. <laughs> they're trying to get the funny in, but yeah. then it's also a very serious. Like the, the tone of the movie overall and is very dark the, and serious. So. The funny is funny, but in in that light, through that lens, it it's not as funny as it should be, or as funny mm-hmm. as it's trying to be. It just it just like it, it basically you start to think, hold on, these guys are actually the reason why Thanos is winning. You know, <laughs> well, we'll get to that later as well. Yeah, but and so, oh, carry on. No, go on. What were you going to say? I was going to say this is this is where we get some uh, some stuff about Gamora and Gamora's past and how she was trained by Thanos and everything else, and that that stuff starts to come to the surface again here uh, because we've got so Thor's on the ship and Thor decides that he needs a weapon that can beat Thanos, and to do that he needs to go to a special place. Uh, because he needs a new hammer and it needs to be forged in the heart of a dying star um, and he needs to go to a special world to get that hmm. and he takes uh, Rocket with him Rocket um, and Groot yeah Rocket and Groot with him and hmm. he leaves the rest of them to um, to pursue the next stone on the list which is the reality stone which is yeah. currently held in nowhere, which is a giant spaceport, which is where we had the collector, um, who turned up in was it Guardians Two, Guardians One, Guardians, Guardians One. One again. Damn! And if you remember correctly as well, the reality stone was the ether from For the Dark World, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. And and this is um, yeah. So so the uh, the collector currently has that, and uh, they're off to try and beat Thanos to that stone. Mm-hmm. Um which doesn't happen well we get we get a, a long period where a lot of these things are intercut so we're, we're flipping between all these different yeah you know groups but the long and short of it is thor rocket and Groot take their ship to um nidavalir i think where mm. they meet oh god i keep losing all these names they meet peter dinklage basically they meet giant tiny peter dinklage giant dwarf hammer maker dude <laughs> they basically use their spaceships to restart this forge um, to take all the energy from the heart of this dying star, which is yeah. a cool sequence. Like I like the the creativity of you know how Thor grabs the spaceship, whirls it around, and uses that to propel these rings around the forge. And then he and then further to that, he still has to hold open the iris of the thing and like you know survive the brute force of it. It's that's that's a cool extension. Yeah, it's like super comic booky in the best way possible because they just yeah. lent in to this cool, uh, like space, uh, like fair enough, 
do it. And it's like <laughs> they did it by using a, a, a character who's larger than life. Uh, and I think it just works really well. It, it did work very well. And it was it. This is the bit that I really enjoyed because this is when you start to feel a little bit of that Kirby magic. Mm that that comes from uh this sort of the old thor comics and everything else yeah definitely the cosmic stuff and this is the bit that i really enjoyed i loved this this section and uh yeah the, the name of the character by the way ray is e-tree e-tree thank you yeah e-tree yeah so i mean e-tree. i don't need to know that it's e-tree it's peter dinklage he's awesome yeah, it's peter dinklage. and he's, he's awesome really in this it. role as well i like yeah. that they've they've taken there's like so much meta going on in that he's He's called a dwarf in the story. Yeah. But he's he's a giant, but he's you know, his proportions are different. And is played by Peter Dinklage, who's famously a small person, but he's playing a giant dwarf. Like it's this whole it's this whole cool thing. I loved it. Um what they um here here's a thing that they could have had in a post credit scene somewhere would be Peter Dinklage being forced to make the gauntlet. And then having his hands yeah. encased in metal. Mm. See, that I don't mind too much about because I think it's quite economical for that stuff to have happened off screen. But it, it does make me think that the problem with because uh, I, I I don't like I don't know if I said it on the, on the pod before, but I don't like the first two four films, um, <laughs> and I think the second movie had that been a better movie could have been the place to properly explore. Um, or the the four uh, mythos mm-hmm. beyond just going to Greenwich um, and and fighting Doctor Who, I think like <laughs> they could have they could have done something really really fun um, and explored more of the sort of Norse uh, through the lens of Marvel comics um, reality of the four world. I, I think that's where we could have got a lot of that stuff, and they could have introduced the dwarfs um, uh, pre um, Thanos destruction. It was a, it was a wasted opportunity. Was uh, Thor too? I think. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I don't want to like spend too much on this point, especially because it happened in a previous movie, in a bad movie. But why? Like, I understand why the Guardians gave the Power Stone uh, to uh, to Nova Corp. Uh, that mm. makes sense. I understand why the Asgardians wanted to split the Tesseract, uh, i.e. the Reality Stone, and the, um, not Reality Stone, Space Stone, yeah. uh, and the uh, Ether, the Reality Stone. But why do they give it to the Collector? Like, how is no he going to protect it in any way? Because oh, clearly he didn't. <laughs> like, location I get, because nowhere seems to be quite, like, literally nowhere. Yeah, but... pretty much, yeah. But why him? Like, how is he going to protect it at all? I, it makes no sense to me. But anyway, yeah, it's just uh, I don't. I don't. Uh, it's not. I don't really like getting hung up on like small narrative uh, hiccups because really it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of stuff. But that is a bit annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing with these movies though like because in in trying to explain what's happening scene by scene i keep ending up saying well the long and short of it is in summary the whole point of this scene was to bring you here and it feels like these movies are made of those moments of it's just like it's it's almost inconsequential in the long run because it's always leading to something bigger in the next thing so you kind of can't but help but nitpick those small moments because it's like well yeah. everything's led up to this point so why would they do this so i agree with you i don't really have a good answer to so, that but it is frustrating yeah so we've got this whole awesome moment where 
we're, we're kind of like flicking back and forth now, but we'll do we'll mm. describe this moment first, where Thor um, helps restart the forge and create himself a new weapon that is powerful enough to hopefully slay Thanos. After uh, when this is like the one of the best parts of the movie for me, and this is why Thor for me comes off as the the best of the original Avengers, as it were. Like he's he's the only one that I think is actually worth his salt now. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> like in this film, he's the best one, and he comes off as the best one, and he's he's the only one I'm excited about anymore, basically. But yeah, so so this bit with Thor's great. We get as well while this is happening, you've got the guys over in nowhere, and it turns out that Thanos already has the reality stone and he's bent reality to his will and he's created this whole charade where he's made Gamora think that she's killed him, but in fact she hasn't, and he's like, ha ha ha, here I am. <laughs> um, and he lays the beat down. Uh, uh, he turns... I like I like this bit, what he does with the reality stone, because that's very, very comic booky, very Marvel Yeah, comic-y. we get yeah. the first display of that crazy power. It, it, yeah. it was horrific. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he, like, he, he cubes Drax and he spiralizes Ventus. It's awesome. <laughs> turns, turns her into Corgetti. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, he's, uh, he, he then takes Gamora, and uh, previous to this, we've got Gamora has uh, sort of told... Peter Quill has made a promise that because she knows where the Soul Stone is to stop Thanos from getting the Soul Stone if Thanos should take Gamora then she, uh, she should kill, to her. kill her yeah, yeah. Star-Lord should kill her um, and he's reluctantly going through with this promise it's really difficult for him and he pulls the trigger and bubbles come out because of the reality stone <laughs> okay so at this point I want to talk about a couple of earned moments and unearned moments yep. so the moment where we see Gamora kill um, Thanos, but it all turns out to be a charade that he's put on using the reality stone. Yeah. I feel like that worked in context. That worked for me a lot because I guess you don't know as an audience and you don't know as the characters that he's, you know, he's pulled this charade. Um, and so when the reveal comes and it's like, oh, of course it's the reality stone, it doesn't feel cheap. It feels like, well, to me at least, it, it felt like you got we got to have our cake and eat it a little bit. Yeah. Then I feel like the unearned moment is because they seeded in this thing, like in this in a couple of scenes before where she tells Peter Quill, you know, I've got this secret, and if Thanos takes me, you have to kill me, and it's this whole heartfelt moment of like him making this this ultimate promise, and then literally like 15 minutes later, he has to go through with it. Mm. I didn't feel like that worked for me at all. Also, because the way the scene is shot and paced, it's like they're having this conversation while Thanos has his hand around her throat, essentially. And it's like, we know that Thanos knows that he's going to try and pull the the trigger, but he's going to do something. So kind of like all of the tension comes from how is Thanos going to, like what thing is Thanos going to do to stop the bullet from coming out? Because there's no way that she's going to die in that scene. Like I, we all knew it, right? Because he needs her. Yeah. Yeah. And, also, uh, oh, oh sorry. sorry. Uh, uh, no, I was just going to say, um, with that, like with that sequence, yeah. As you say, like I, I, that that part just doesn't work, and especially it's one of those annoying tension things where it's like the nuke's about to blow up, but we're going to have a kiss or something like that. Mm. Not in the same way, but it's one of the things where he's right there, man. He's like. 
even if he didn't have the reality stone, he's not going to let you do this. He's going to move at the yeah. last second, grab like yeah. so. It, it it kind of just like flushes away the uh, tension of that of that sequence. Yeah. But what I did really like is just before uh, where she like foe kills Thanos, which you just know when you're watching it that it just feels off. But mm-hmm. you're wondering what the trick is, and you completely forget about the reality stone. So I think it's well done. It's her yeah. crying after she's done it. Like I do not buy the um. Like, do, do not care for, or it's not been displayed well, yeah. um, the mother-daughter relationship of it. But that mm. one moment where she's crying about it after she's killed and the conflictedness, I that I did, I, I felt that worked really well. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Then, uh, so moving ahead from that, we're back on Thanos' ship, and he's got Gamora, and uh, he's asking her where the Soul Stone is, and she's pretending she doesn't know, and it's a very Vader and Leia moment. Um mm. And... But then he tries to tease it out of her by uh, yeah. torturing Nebula. Yes. And a cool scene where we're like, I wonder how this would have played out in 3D because the camera is face on and we get we, we get the impression that she's just floating in midair. But then I... the camera pans around and we see that she's been pulled apart. All yeah. her individual components well, have been I... stretched out. I watched it once in 3D and once in 2D. So okay. when I saw that in 3D, um, I can't... I'm trying to remember because the 3D was actually used quite well in some parts of this film. I must say it's not it's not one of those films where 3D is an afterthought. They did things purely for the 3D. Hmm. But like the way that is in 3D, I'm trying to remember. I don't think it comes out of the screen like you would want it to, but it looks really cool with all the components laid out. Hmm. And when he pans round her and you think she's in one piece, then all of a sudden she's not because of the trick of the camera. Hmm. Um, the trick of the uh, the optical illusion where when you look at her from a certain angle, it looks like she's still in one piece and then you see her from a side on and she's all pulled out into mm. various separate components. Um, and that is actually like keeping her in that state and then torturing her is actually kind of a nod, I think, to in the Infinity Gauntlet comics where he's got Nebula in a permanent state or between life and death in permanent pain. Ah. It's a cool way to do it. Yeah. It's, a, it's yeah. an effective moment, I think. Yeah, and, uh, well, he gets the location of the Soul Stone out of Gamora because Gamora can't mm. stand to see her sister suffering. Which I thought um, was mega lame. It yeah. is super lame. Every, <laughs> yeah. This is, I've got a big note in red here saying the Guardians of the Galaxy crew suck, as we'll find out later. Yep. So Gamora here, and then there's a moment with Peter Quill later. Yep. But yeah, that sucks that she gave it up so easily in that, like... Yeah. Especially yeah. because, I know we're going to jump to the next scene, but, like, I thought, like, okay, there's a plan. There was mm. no plan. There was no plan. Yep. So now... And I'd forgotten that there was no plan at the time when there yeah. was, should have been a plan. You know. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, There's never continue. A plan. So now we're we're on to uh, the pl- we're we're getting to retrieving the soul stone. So Thanos has three stones. He's about to get his fourth. He goes to the planet where the soul stone is kept. Vormir, I believe. Yes. Yeah. And uh, he. Because uh, Gamora is the only one who knows where it is. She's his guide and they march up to the top of the mountain and there's this pretty Lord of the Rings ring wraithy moment. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the hood comes down and it's the Red Skull. Where the hell, dun, did, dun, he, dun. Where the hell did that come from? <laughs> so, so the Red Wait, Skull uh, is... A, oh. No, yeah. just I, I was going to say I, I couldn't have cared less about that reveal. Yeah, exactly. Like, there were people <laughs> gasping in the cinema like, yeah. <gasps> Red Skull! And I was like, oh, Red Skull? Yeah, I was <laughs> like, like, all right. That's that's mega lame. Of all people, why the Red Skull to put him all the way out there? That's just bleh. I guess there's some irony to it being that the one thing you need to 
as we'll find out in, a, in yeah. we'll talk about it in a second. We might as well talk about it now. The thing that Thanos needs to do to be able to retrieve the um, this stone is to sacrifice uh, somebody that he loves. And I guess there's an irony in the Red Skull being there alone, not having anybody to love to sacrifice to be able to get an yeah. Infinity Stone, which is what he wanted in you know in Captain but America: The First Avenger. It's also a squandered opportunity because they could have introduced some awesome cosmic being for that planet to preside over the soul stone and they didn't (laughs) um and we get to the top of the mountain and this is this this is another this is a big red flag for me this is thanos giving a shit that that's a red flag for me (laughs) well the the thing is that i think they sell it more in the film but like i think that's what gamora's plan was uh was like she she i don't know if she knew let's assume she knew what what the terms would be but then <laughs> she, she's all making fun of him yeah. saying like blah blah and it's like oh Why? come on <laughs> like it's obvious like yeah it's obvious he loves you like a daughter like that was never in doubt why was that ever in doubt in her mind but <sighs> the way he treats her in the film is so different to the way she's treated in the comics like when he finds her as a child and he, he's like talking about balance and he gives her the knife and everything. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. His motivation is slightly different in this movie than it is in the comics as well. Because although he's still trying to achieve a balance in the comics, he's doing it on behalf of death because death wants him to do it. Mistress death. Yeah. Mistress death. Yeah. Not which not because he's doing it out of his own kind of twisted uh, sense of right Justice and Justice and morality. Yeah. yeah. And and he didn't destroy his own planet uh, in in this <laughs> like he did in the comics. In the comics, he destroyed Titan. It's him, right? In, and he's not the son of Eros. Eros is his brother. But yeah, uh, <laughs> which is, comes well, up in this scene because they call him the son of Eros. But I think Eros is his brother in the comics. Eros is another another person from Titan. Um, well, the long and short of it in here then is that he yeah. <laughs> to to Gamora's. Um, surprise for some reason he throws her off the cliff and retrieves the soul stone and we get this kind of cool uh dreamlike moment where he he like walks up to um a representation of like young gamora as uh, you know as he found her as a child i can't exactly remember what happened in that scene but do you guys remember that's later on where she's like was it worth it yeah that's later on in this thing doesn't doesn't he wake up in the water and it's in his hands yeah yeah he wakes up in the water and he's got the soul stone after chucking her off the i I have to say i have to say everything to do with the soul stone in this movie sucks yeah like (laughs) yeah the soul stone is a prime thing where people have been theorizing for forever about like where is it and has it been in Mm. plain sight Uh, is it in heimdall's eyes is it under wakanda (laughs) where all this stuff and Fair enough, it's not all those things. That's speculation. That's how it works. But the fact that all speculation is better than what they do in the movie, where it just becomes this crap Ready Player One gate challenge, mm. uh, and he's just like, oh, do the thing, da 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 da, and like, you wake up with a stone in your yeah. hand. Mm. I hate that, and I hate everything to do with this. Like, I hate the fact <laughs> that the Soul Stone wasn't seeded in like yeah. an earlier movie or anything like that. I don't like the fact that Thanos has a heart and warm blood. It, I, I hate <laughs> the fact that it's just this crap, yeah. uh, rpg tabletop bs yeah <laughs> like how, like who uh, i mean there probably are was someone to do this but like when the tesseract put uh red skull there who who said like yeah be be, be a ring ray for us and 
here's here's all the plans to it yeah. and you you can be the guide for when one person comes in like a hundred years time or something like that. It's like you, yeah, oh, so lame. I, someone, I hate everything about the Soulstone. Someone in the writers' room piped up and went, "Have you ever seen that really old movie, Lord of the Rings?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I I'll have to agree with both of you. I thought that sucked, yeah. and it's a shame. Yeah. Like you said, you can't blame them based on the like. This is the problem with uh, listening to all the theories and all that theorizing because people will always come up with infinitely cooler. Or will often come up with infinitely mm. cooler stories than will actually will actually be given in the movies, and that's one of those instances where it felt yeah. like watching Lost or something. Where you know, thinking about it for so many years has kind of ruined it for all of us, and all they've come up with is this kind of bland, like you said, RPG uh, press A or press B moment. Yeah, and he decides to throw his daughter off the cliff, and he gets a stone because of it. Very God of War. Like uh, the, yeah, there's not even like a trial or anything. Once it's yeah. done, he just wakes he just up does it. and he's. Yeah sucks yeah it's it's really really terrible um and we get we get from there to um is it battle in wakanda time now no before then we it's the battle on titan battle on titan yeah so yeah nebula escapes in a cool moment where she like pops out part of her face and then while the guy like he's i can't tell if he's keeping her in check or he's just like weirdly molesting her or something i think he popped her all back yeah he put her back together he rebuilt her Right, okay, but then yeah. he pops in part, you know, the, the face aspect of her, and yeah. while he's doing that, she kind of does some sort of hold on him and, like, snaps his neck, and, it's, and yeah. we don't really see the particulars of it, but we see her running off and, like, dragging herself back together and yeah. essentially ending up on Titan, or she asks the Guardians to... She to gets in touch with the Guardians to yeah. go to Titan. Yeah. Which is, as you said, Thanos' destroyed homeworld. Yep, and uh, we get to Titan and we find out Thanos' whole motivation and his obsession with balance. But that's later on. But oh, before that, no, some, something yeah. amazing that I've missed out is the Iron Man, Spidey, Doctor Strange fight against the rescue. Moore. Yeah, yeah, against more. Yeah, that was a really cool moment. I like that. Just because it's another one of Spider-Man's yeah. like referencing quote unquote old classic movies, yeah. where he references aliens. So he basically. Um, What's the word? Spaces more. He, they space uh, him. Yeah, they they throw him out of a hole in the side of the ship. Yeah, which is great. Sucked out. Yeah. yeah, and that's really cool. I like that, and um, I like the interaction between Doc Strange and um, Tony Stark. I like that they're both two uh, dueling egos, as it were. I was fully expecting like a no shit Sherlock moment or something. Yeah. I thought yeah. they'd make some sort of reference to it, which would have. Would have pulled yeah. you out of the movie, so I'm glad they didn't, but I was surprised yeah. that they didn't do that. And they, uh, so they get to Titan, and uh, the Guardians get to Titan, and the Guardians think that they crash land on Titan in this ship because they can't pilot it because they, they're not the right kind of size or whatever to pilot it effectively so they're trying to pilot it themselves um they, they, crash... they do try and bootstrap yeah. like a pacific rim evangelion style um, yeah what do they call it like symbiotic relationship thing where spider-man's yeah. got one arm in and iron man's got the other and they just yeah. they're completely out of sync and they crash into the into the planet yeah and, and when they've uh when they've crash landed and um people are treating spider-man like an intern like an avengers intern like <laughs> giving him the raw deal all the time basically mm-hmm. uh they um they they get they get crash land they crash land and the guardians turn up and there's a bit of a a bit of a altercation because the guardians mistake the um the avengers for members of thanos's crew and, oh yeah yeah there's yeah. that misunderstanding yeah and, and then peter they, quill takes his helmet off he's like who yeah. are you guys yeah 
I'm from Missouri, not Earth, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, like that part has one of my favorite uh, exchanges in the whole film. Where the it's like, bit, right? Yeah, yeah. it's like, where is Gamora? It's like, who's Gamora? I thought like, you want better. Why who's is Gamora? Gamora? <laughs> <laughs> I do you want better. Why is Gamora? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's good writing. <laughs> and uh, they're all, um, so, so they all figure out that they're actually on the same side and... Um, they try to figure out what they're going to do next to stop Thanos from getting the rest of the stones. Uh, there's only two left now, and that's uh, the one in Vision's forehead and the one round Doctor Strange's neck, which is the time stone inside the Eye of Agamotto. Um, so there's a lot of sitting around on Titan. Um, t- uh, again, two, uh, Ebony Moore and... No, yes. No, Ebony Moore's dead now. And he's frozen uh, in space. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is. Da, 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 da. This is we're getting back to Wakanda now again, aren't we? And um, we've got Proxima Midnight and Corvus. Well, Corvus well actually, there, just just there. before just before yeah. then, uh, isn't it in, in this sequence? Or because it keeps cutting back and forth, uh, that Doctor Strange uses the Time Stone, uh, the Agamotto, to. Yeah going to the future and yeah. see all the different possible outcomes yeah um, yeah and out of the million i think it's one point something million um only one has them where thanos loses yeah I, I love the number that he picks out it's 14 million 506 <laughs> mm. which is like 14 million on one end and then 506 on the other i just i, I thought that was, that was nice touch. <laughs> yeah we see him meditating and like going through this weird uh jacob's ladder style process yeah and Checking. determines that there's only one eventuality where thanos loses yeah which seems to indicate why he does what he does in this fight where yeah yeah where he essentially gives up the stone to him yeah after after so much effort as well like i don't know if you guys i have after being after being the mvp Mm. right because because some of the stuff that he does is like some of the coolest stuff that happens in that fight yeah, he does, like, nunjutsu yeah. and stuff, doesn't he? Using the full extent of his powers and whatever. I really like <laughs> it. And there's, like, some really frustrating moments because they've got a plan and they almost get the gauntlet off him, but then Peter Quill messes it up for everyone by being Peter Quill. Yep. And being a massive it, asshole. This <laughs> is my... The, the part of the movie that I hate the most. Because I, yeah. I... all I'm, I'm on, the like, the cusp of, of um, appreciating it. Or like respecting it because it's it's trying to really hard to be this emotional moment where the emotion that Peter has having learned that Gamora has been killed to retrieve the stone like he's overcome by this and it's supposed to be this grand thing where his you know his like whatever's in his heart is bigger than yeah I don't know the fate of the universe none of it it doesn't really make sense like I want it to work but it just didn't work it felt really flat and it yeah. felt like a pissy teenager ruining the plot like ruining yeah. the all the work that they'd done because that fight is really cool because there's yeah. so much happens like it's beat and after beat after beat after beat like full on Thanos... also comic booky with like yeah. Spider-Man yeah. swinging around uh, Doctor Strange creating like teleporting holes for Peter Quill to jump through and creating like ste- steps and uh, Tony Stark like tossing things uh, like all of them just working in concert together in such a cool way and, and then, thanos like fucking drags the moon down on them yeah and, and they almost they managed to get the gaunt off him because they yeah. managed to like subdue him enough yeah that moon part Mantis was so is... dragon ball c it was badass yeah <laughs> yeah it was awesome also the shot of it because like you see it in the background out of focus and then he pulls his hand up towards it and you see it like 
almost like compress slightly mm. and you see these like these spots of action on it and you see him yeah. dra- like pull it apart and drag it down into the atmosphere it's epic i love that moment yeah so and then very suddenly preceded by peter quill fucking things up because he yeah. can't keep his shit together and all of that goes to shit thanos lays the beat down uh he you think he's gonna kill iron man i'm mm. sitting there on the edge of my seat like do it do it and then he doesn't i mean he kind of does he stabs him but it doesn't mean much in the long run yeah he he puts he puts some spandy foam in the hole spandy foam yeah and this is the thing this is the the moment because i was assuming out of the people who i thought were going to die in this movie um he was one of them yeah Um, i did and the way they were doing it it wouldn't have felt cheap had he died it would have felt like a good Death yeah, moment. Earned, like tragic, death. Yeah. but like yeah, like it just an ultimate failure moment. Yeah. Um. So like, while I, I don't have an issue with what uh Doctor Strange did, just because I assume like he knows what he's doing because he yeah. went to the forward. Um. So I don't have an issue with that, like the logic part. I'm not like, oh, why did you do that, Stephen? It's more a case of like, uh, deflates it certain, uh, a bit because it's like it it then it reminds you. Oh, this is an MCU film, and they they want Tony's face to sell the next movie as well. Yeah, and it's just like, ah, oh, it would have been a perfect moment to kill him. <laughs> like it, it felt great, and like the look on Stark, um, Stark's face, like yeah, uh, and like the stuff that Thanos is saying. Uh, oh, I hope they remember you. Yeah, yeah, they gave me the moment I wanted, and then they took it away from me oh so quickly. Mm-hmm. And then they did something else that irritates me even more. Um, but that comes right at the very end of the film uh so they um they get the time stone because uh doc strange agrees to relinquish it in exchange for tony's life back on earth we've got this big old fight going on in wakanda where um as i was saying it's um i'm gonna give him his uh his movie name well Uh, obsidian and um the uh proxima midnight have turned up at, um, on Earth to retrieve the Mind Stone. Well, the, yeah, setup, that... the setup is they've taken yeah. Vision to yeah. Shuri, who's yeah. begun the process of extracting the Mind Stone from him. So yeah. she, that he's the ultimate goal inside, yeah. you know, inside the palace or whatever it is. And all the troops yeah. around in the field um, protected by this dome. Yeah. And so the enemies are outside the dome trying to get in. So we've got Wakandan Tower defense going on. Yeah, yeah. like the, the way it begins is pretty cool. Like the actual battle, but because. Um, they start to like come into atmosphere because they, they do the whole thing. Um, and I really like the interplay, uh, between Shuri and Banner. And it's like, why didn't you do this? And we didn't think about it. And like, yeah. I'm sure you tried your best. Yeah. Shuri's <laughs> like, smarter than all of them put together. She's like, yeah. Awesome. And then I love how that you get the defense thingy. Um, and then that first one drops and then it's stopped by the dome and Bucky just like, I love this place. I, I do love that moment. <laughs> yeah. That was really good um and um the 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 fight was really cool as well and seeing everyone work together all the different wakandan tribes in in unity in unity Uh, with the the secret avengers as well which is kind of cool yeah yeah one thing i love about this battle is that we finally get to see a marvel film where the bad guys are pretty clever because they make themselves seem like they're just doing power by numbers because you see them send down these ships and then put like force out all these like zerg rush uh, like dog yeah. monster type things and they start like they're attacking the shield but they can't get that many through so the 
the heroes can you know deal with them quite effectively but then we see that the enemies are sending them round the sides to flank them so um t'challa makes the decision to open up one panel of the dome so you can at least have this this filtered um you know, filtered stream of enemies to combat, which we think is the enemy is the heroes being really smart, the enemies being dumb. But it's all this subterfuge because they've actually sent a guy in to infiltrate the the palace where Shuri they, is working on Vision, yeah. and they're basically just biding their time until one and pretending he's dead as well. Yeah, they pretend he's yeah. dead. Yeah, and but actually, Corvus Glaive isn't dead. He's gone in round the back to infiltrate the facility where they're trying their level best to remove the stone from Vision's head as quickly as possible so Scarlet Witch can destroy it without killing Vision. Um, and But things on the field get so yeah. desperate that she has to leave his side and and she yeah. thinks she's doing this heroic but you know fairly safe moment of helping the troops on the ground, leaving Vision wide open. Yeah. And uh, Vision, basically uh, Shuri ends up having to cut the surgery short so vision can and, and gets vision gets out of the building um <clears throat> and he's followed by um one of the dora milage isn't he out of the building as well because hmm. there's dora milage in the building and outside um and when they get back on and then everyone's on the field then and it's like a, it's like a battle royale free for all basically because everyone's out everyone's on the field everyone's in play uh, and there's some there's some really awesome epic um, moments like where Scarlet Witch does the thing with the uh, the giant um, war machines. Oh yeah, 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 that's epic. Like they're it's... they're rolling they're rolling decimating yeah. through the land. And yeah. What does she do? Like she she grabs one and then throws it into the the enemies, right? Yeah, she she picks them all up and then drops them on the enemies. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, and then uh... oh, also Hulk inside the Hulk Buster yeah. armor. That's kind of yeah. cool. Because he can't turn into the Hulk, because the Hulk won't come out, because he's sad and angry that he got beaten. <laughs> so uh, he's uh, he's wearing the Hulkbuster armor. Sorry, and... I should say Bruce Banner in the Hulkbuster armor, yeah, not yeah. not as the Hulk. Yeah, yeah, and he's it's like being the Hulk, but without being and, the Hulk. And we don't really we don't get a moment where they're on the edge of losing, right? No, like because yeah. we get this we get the the big heroes moment where. Thor. The whole Turns point of off, him yeah. him making Stormbreaker was that that that's a weapon which has the capability to use the Bifrost to send yeah. him back to Earth without needing Heimdall. Yeah. So he, uh, he he comes in with Rocket and Groot and just like lays waste to all these enemies on the ground. Yeah. But it turns out like the heroes weren't in dire straits at that moment anyway, were they? Yeah, it's going pretty well by that point. Uh, but then, so uh, yeah. yeah. But then Thanos well, turns. There is a dramatic and... moment just before he appears. Yeah. Yeah. But um. I can't remember exactly what happens, but they, there is a moment where they're not losing, but they're on the back foot. Mm. Uh, I think it's probably after those mechanical things of yeah, it's when Thor turns ground. up in it and Thor, and then then he turns yeah. turns up and they turn the tide again. Yeah. So Thanos comes rocking back to Earth, having a, but, but, having but, a, be, a before the Thanos part. I just got a few yeah. things to say about sequence, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's that. There's elements that I love and elements that I hate. <laughs> the elements that I love are, um, like we were saying, having the like the Avengers there um, working with like the Wakandans and the different tribes there, um, having um, Mbaku show up and his exchange with T'Challa is awesome, mm. and um, all that stuff's cool. You get the cool line from the trailer about uh, evacuate the sea, engage all the fences, and get that man a shield. Yeah, that man all that stuff cool. is is really cool. 
But then, um, like, some of the fighting stuff is, like, seeing uh, T'Challa and Cap fighting back-to-back is so cool. Like, it's just awesome moments. But then, um, and as well, um, another favourite of mine is where it's Scarlet Witch, Black Widow, and Okoye fighting mm. together. Like, that mm. is awesome. But then there's other bits where like, I hate the fact that they have what they call the Outriders or whatever. Yeah. Uh, these just... It's like, oh, we need another Chitauri-like beast. It's these yeah. faceless beasts. It's like, I hate that. And I know why they did it, because they wanted to have a big army fight, but, oh, it's so annoying. I would have rather it was just like they had to face each of the Black Order or something like that. I just, yeah. I hate the fact that we just have these endless beasts. So you have bits where, like, people are, people are, like, flying over and, like, dropping, uh, like, you've got War Machine and Falcon giving, like, air support and all that. But it's just so, like, blur. It's very big Marvel in, like, a boring yeah. way. Uh, mm. Where, like, you do have these cool character moments, but then they have these like, big boring moments where it's just stunt men facing CGI people. And that's boring. It's, it just, it's just visually not exciting. The way it's generally shot and edited isn't that... Uh, that exciting yeah Yeah. it's it's just selling the scale more than anything else it's a big fight yeah and it's like uh like i don't know it just it it, it's not earned as being like a super hype like and it like it's just not sold as being like what you you would expect from a big fight like that yeah so thanos has five stones now um and he makes he just basically snaps himself to earth um and he appears on the battlefield um, after basically the, the the heroes have turned the tide, Thor's done his thing, and then they're like, "Wait a second, something's coming." Thanos comes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's here, and they're still trying to get. They're still basically um, at this point when he appears. Um, Vision is like, "Look, you've just got to do it. Just destroy the stone." So you've got this whole like, "But I don't want to kill you" type thing going on between Vision and Scarlet Witch, and then uh, mm-hmm. Scarlet Witch decides to get on with it. Um, and you've got like this fight happening where um, they're 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 having a fight that basically they're trying to keep Thanos busy until the stone can be destroyed, and she successfully manages to destroy the stone, but Thanos already has the time stone, so Thanos just reverses everything that's been done and gets the stone anyway. <laughs> I consider this an earned moment. I yeah. think that was heartbreaking. Yeah. Like just seeing the, the amount the sheer amount of effort that she had to put in, not yeah. only to like overcome the fact that she doesn't want to do this, like she's killing somebody that she she yeah. loves, but also that like the amount of effort it takes, like physically, literally, yeah. to 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 break the stone using her powers. Yeah. And then she's trying to use both her hands to do it, and then she has yeah. to use one of her hands to, you know, hold back Thanos, and eventually through sheer force of will she she succeeds, and then he just kind of he mocks her and says um this isn't the time or something like he says time in a weird way and then you're like yeah, yeah. oh shit he's got the time stone and then like rolls it all back yeah and you get to see this horrible moment of like um vision's body like coming back together and reintegrating and this is only where for we... it to happen again yeah. yeah and this is where we learn just how broken the infinity gauntlet actually is hmm. uh <laughs> so um he's now got the mind stone as well and it's just it like you were saying yeah that the it's an earned moment and it's the sheer the loss of hope that's been there's been a sort of a theme through the whole thing where you think they've got the upper hand then all of a sudden all hope's just been ripped from under them again yeah also that like 
there's a thing like a trope in a lot of like sci-fi or comic stuff or anime blah blah when like someone dies and they lose all the color and it's like mm. as the stone's ripped out and vision just he's he's normally rocking a nice like purplish yeah. type look and he just you know he just he goes op- gray he does an optimus prime yeah goes, yeah <laughs> pretty much gray. yeah <laughs> so uh yeah visions had the stone took out of him he's dead um Thanos has all the stones and the only person able to stand up to him now is Thor. So you've got this fight between Thor and Thanos and you actually think that Thor for a second has got the upper hand. Yeah, Yeah. has succeeded in killing Thanos and you've got this really great moment where Thor's pressing his axe into Thanos' chest and he's like, you know, he's like delivering on a promise that he made earlier in the film, which is that Thanos would die for killing Loki. Oh, yeah, we didn't mention Loki. Did we mention Loki got killed at the beginning? We did. We, we yeah. mentioned it as briefly as the film mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, he, he got choked out, big style. Um, so <laughs> uh, we we get to the point where we think Thor's beat Thanos. And then we remember that Thanos has got the Infinity Gauntlet and has got all the stones and he clicks his fingers. And but with, where, with this with this epic yeah. line where he's like, "You should have gone for the head," yeah, or something yeah. along those lines. That's what like, he says. He, he says, "You should have gone for the head." Yeah, it's exactly what he says. And uh, he clicks his fingers, and for a moment, he's on what I believe to be the soul plane with Gamora, but it's Gamora as a child standing under an archway, and uh, she just asks him, um, "Was it all what worth it?" Co- yeah, what, did, what, it what did it cost? Yeah, did you get what you wanted and what did it cost? And he's like, everything. It cost everything. And then uh, he's back and we're transported back and um, he's... Uh, yeah. Well, this is this is the money shot of the movie. This is like yeah. everything that the movie's been culminating yeah. towards. But but like like the gauntlet itself is now like spent. It's like yeah. stone still in it, but it's like crushed and broken. Yeah. And Thanos' arm is kind of like messed up as well from as a result of from the Thor's lightning. He's just done. Yeah. yeah. Well, I so don't know he, if it's from Thor's lightning or from the action from of the gauntlet also. Yeah, yeah. Being being used up. Using the most awesome power available hmm. in all reality. Um, so he uh, Thor asks him like, "What? Like, what did you what do? What did you do? Yeah. Hmm. And it's not apparent yet that he's done anything. It's just apparent that he's reversed his own death. But he's he has done something he teleports away um and then uh this is this is where there's another this is another bit that irritates me i mean i like it but it irritates me in the way in what they do because this is where thanos's plan has come to fruition and he's won which i like mm-hmm. i like that he's won i like that they're ending the film on a bum note like that because it's very empire strikes back um and this is where people start to vanish and we start to see who's gone and who's left behind following Thanos's um, universal cutting the population in half kind of thing um, to, to restore the balance and supposedly save everyone. And we start to see people vanish. People start to just peel away. Turn um, to dust. Yep, as, turn to dust. Like, as T'Challa, like... Yeah. Um, foreshadowed said everything will be everything will become blood and dust or all that yeah. will be left is blood and dust which which comes true what happens yeah so um in my opinion as you've got these like heartbreaking moments where people are watching other people turn to dust and we lose all the interesting characters all these characters they've invested time and money in giving them their own solo movies and everything else and you know building them up and and making them instrumental in this film like some of the most interesting parts of this film were due to the characters that we end up losing. <laughs> and and we're left with the, you know, like, 
bog standard vanilla Avengers again by the end of the film. Well, I have a theory about this, but we can should we get to that a little bit later? We can talk about who died and how because that's I think there's some interesting choices here because like yeah. he clicks his fingers, everything goes white. And all the sound goes out of everything. And yeah. I think one of the... Who's the first person we see go? Because is it, is it Sam? Is it Falcon? Or... Is it Bucky? Yes. It's Bucky, Bucky yeah. Yeah, it's definitely Bumbling Bucky. towards Cap, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So Bucky so we goes. See Bucky goes. We see... Because the reason that Sam sticks in my mind is because I thought that was, that was a really sad ending for him. Because yeah. it's... Um, it's Rhodey shouting at his name. Looking like, for ju- him. Looking for him, but just like a few steps ahead of him, he's yeah. slumped on the floor and then turns to dust and yeah. they'll never know where, you know, like how and where he died. And then what, Scarlet what, Witch is gone after that. Yeah, Scarlet Witch. And you can see that it's yeah. almost like relief on her face because of everything she's had to go through. Yeah. And then um, uh, Black Panther. T'Challa, yeah. 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 Oh, his moment is great because it's like he's reaching out. Like you yeah. have no idea there's anything wrong with him. He's reaching out to... Um, to Okoye saying now's not the time to die and we're assuming that it's her that's going to it's going to be yeah, Ashton and then he the goes. camera turns around and he goes and the look on her face is devastated like she's lost her friend she's lost her mentor and yeah. she's lost her king it's 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 yeah it's wild yeah and then uh, who, Af- who else yeah sorry Spider-Man oh, that, well, no, cause I was going to say because we, we're seeing it happen in two different places we're seeing yeah. what happens on on Earth in Wakanda yeah. which is Bucky um uh, Wanda, yeah. Who else? T'Challa, Sam, and uh, oh, Groot as well. Yeah, Groot on, on, yeah. in Wakanda, where we see this oh, weird relationship sad. that yeah. Rocket has with Groot because you know they're different yeah. ages now, yeah. and there's, they have this weird father-son thing going on, and that's that's just heartbreaking. Yeah. And then we go to Titan, yeah. and we see Drax and Mantis, other members um, of the Dora Milaje go as well don't they and things mm, like that yeah, like, background yeah the Wakandans like <laughs> yeah. start to disappear yeah. and we get that close up on Mbaku yeah. who just looks like what's oh, happening yeah. yeah and then and then we uh, we zip back to uh, to Titan where we see um, pretty much all of the Guardians of the Galaxy go mm-hmm. apart from um, well she's not one of them but um... Nebula oh, yeah Nebula because yeah. like because uh, um, doesn't Maybe it's before then when he says like "why," and it's like yeah. um, I think in the scene before yeah. Tony says to Stephen, "It's like why would you do that?" Yeah, um, and, and here's here's the thing that annoys me, right? <laughs> <laughs> here's the bit that pisses me off the most is the fact that they choose Tony over Stephen, right? Because Stephen goes. And but I, he, it, it makes sense because he knew what he was getting into. It makes it more of this, hmm. um, like it take, makes it more of a sacrifice. Yeah, because he was the only one that had who knew how to make that decision, and he was willing to take it anyway. Yeah, he's playing the long con. Yeah, yeah. But I, I would have liked to have seen Iron Man go and Doctor hmm. Strange stick around. I don't like after him not dying. There's no way in hell that he was just going to disintegrate after then, like. That was never going to happen yeah. because then it, it it doubly undercuts that. But but yeah, yeah. as you were touching on before, like Peter, that one is the oh. one that hurts because yeah. he like he's like I don't feel too well, and he's like his one is gradual. Yeah, and he's like I don't want to go. I, I don't, don't want to go. Yeah, <laughs> and so I, it's it's exactly yeah. what Iron Man's been trying to avoid this entire time. The exactly, entire yeah. film, he's trying to not let Peter follow him. He's trying to keep him on Earth. Yeah. He's trying to keep him out of harm's way. And even throughout the in, in Spider-Man: Homecoming, he's trying to keep him at a distance because he doesn't want to get close to this kid. Yeah, 
and because he doesn't want to be responsible for anything bad happening to him basically exactly yeah and everything he feared comes to fruition and he all he can do is hold him as he disintegrates yeah that was that was perfectly that was written bad. to, yeah. to, as it, to it, mess it was me up. it was that was that was yeah that was a uh that that pulled on the old heartstrings that did that moment hmm. um but then uh we 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 come to the very end of the film where thanos is uh he's getting to watch that sunrise that he talked about earlier in the film hmm. on a grateful universe because he's done his job so he's going to sit down and have his uh have a cup of tea <laughs> <laughs> And he just, he, he he walks out, he stands there, he's watching the sunrise and he cracks a smile, roll end credits, right? Really, really somber end credits as well. Normally yeah. we get like... An animation. Some, yeah, animations yeah. or something, but it's just white Names. text on a black background. Yeah. And it's it's great. It's great the way they did that. It really is. It's great. Mm. And it adds to the impact of, of, of that kind of ending. And as much as I think they could have had more balls in who they chose to save and who they chose to do away with... um. I think they had balls to do it that way round. Like mm. to to end a film on a note like that, like an utterly utter hopelessness, you know, all hope is lost. It's not even like an empire ending, is it? Because mm. at the end of Empire, everyone gets away and they've kind of got some kind of idea of what to do next, I guess. Well, I have but, opinions on that because at least Empire was its own closed yeah. story. But this, yeah. we know there's going to be, we know there's going to be a follow up, and yeah. there's going to be consequences and something mm. to do with, like you know, they're going to try and reverse it. They're going to try and save the world. Yeah, which kind yeah. of undercuts the the tension. Yeah. Really a little. Yeah. I didn't really yeah. feel that heavy from it. I just liked all the individual yeah. moments. Like yeah, same. everybody's yeah. everybody's yeah. thing that they because got to see in. Like even if you forget the outside stuff that we know. Which is like which movies are in production? Da, da, da. Forget mm. that. And let's let's just if we just deal the film on its own terms, the way it's set up is that it's it's just brutally. It's not even a case of being obvious. It's a case of like there's not really stakes there. Like so, yeah. the, at least some of this is getting reversed. Like there's just and yeah. it it kind of it doesn't. It removes the impact of it because it's just a case of like you're, you're almost expecting that to happen. Yeah, now it's, yeah. the question yeah. isn't isn't like oh my gosh, but uh, now it's just a case of so how are they going to fix this? Yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah, w- what are they going to do to rectify it? And you're all, you're all, you were almost expecting that ending. Like you went into the cinema knowing that this was going to be a movie where the hope is crushed. Yeah. Then um, again, maybe that's us because I'm I was thinking about this on the way out because I felt a touch mm. disappointed, but I was thinking any kids who went to see that not knowing what the backstory is, not knowing like just generally what to expect not knowing the meta they would be devastated and i could imagine if i was you know if i was 10 years old now watching that movie not having gone through stuff like empire necessarily that would have that would have really hit me hard i think so for them i'm really pleased in that way you know for the generations who will have been affected by it who won't actually get hit by it actually take that yeah yeah and i'm sure there was people in the cinema when i was there that on you know that that like event that like the the marvel cinematic universe that like marvel movies that aren't necessarily as clued up or have read the comics or uh, done the research or whatever that a lot of people seem to be doing these days um like that would that would go into it and watch it and and be like what is this you know yeah, there's bound to be. Like, we're not the only market yeah. for this. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so there's going to be people that 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 felt that way anyway. And it was 
it was an interesting ending in a nice end. I, it was a good end. I liked that ending. I thought that was great. The way that film ended was, I thought it was great. And I, I, the only, the only, um, as I say, the only criticism I have is, is the choices. The, yeah, the choices. Yeah. <laughs> what did you guys think of the post credit scene? Well, I, I wanted to get onto that. Yes, yeah. the way I love that. Well, I love hated the fact that there wasn't a mid credit scene like there normally is, and all we get is this credit scene at the end where we see um, Maria Hill and Nick Fury uh, in a car. Ha- you know, there's some sort of um, like there's a car crash, and they come out and they're trying to deal with it, and we're unclear whether it's happened because normally the post credit scenes happen a lot after the events of the movie, right? Mm. And so yeah. we're, in my head at least, I was assuming, oh, this must be, you know, further down the line. And, oh, cool, Nick Fury and Maria Hill are dealing with the consequences of everything that's happened with Thanos, you know, a, maybe a year or two down the line. But we realize it's immediately during the ending, like it's almost a continuation of that same scene that yeah, we it's, ended it's on. happening while something else is happening kind of thing. Yeah, it's yeah. concurrent to the ending yeah. of the movie. And yeah. so we see, uh, we see Hill get ashed. And then we see um, Nick Fury trying to, like, frantically... Uh, get out his pager and do something on it before we he slowly gets ashed and his you know his famous catchphrase from his um from samuel L. jackson's entire from his career catalog yeah. from his career it's <laughs> cut off short because he gets ashed halfway through yeah yeah and then this pager drops and you're thinking he's got a pager what's the deal with this and then it says dialing contacting and we get to see um the insignia for uh, for Carol Danvers pop up on the screen, yes, and it cuts cuts to black. I thought that was fantastic, Captain Marvel. Yeah, it was yeah, so good, that was Captain great. Marvel. Yeah. Also, and... like that ending gave me like shades of like leftovers. The, yeah. the, oh, the yes, sequence. with the car crash and the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, because the helicopter crash into the building, it's just like, it also made me think a bit of Why the Last Man, where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. if like half of the population just disappeared in the blink of an eye, yeah, what like, would happen? the consequences yeah. of it. So I'm happy we jumped into a city to see it and not just yeah. we're in Wakanda or on, on a Titan. That's actually dealt with pretty well in the comics as well, when you see some of what's going on in the city when half of everyone's gone. So mm-hmm. that's pretty good. I like that. And I... I I don't know. There's something in the credits that bothered me. I don't know if you guys be able to clear it up for me, but apparently, a, an Arrested Development character turns up in the film because there's like oh, a credits yeah. for an Arrested yeah. Development character. Yeah, I saw this afterwards. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. during the collector part, isn't it? On nowhere, hmm. where it's um, uh, what's his name again? The Anarchist Tobias Finke, uh, Blue Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh right, I missed that. I completely missed that. I didn't see it, it, but I caught it afterwards. I was reading about it online. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's the Howard Duck of the, Howard the Duck of this movie. <laughs> I just saw it in the credits and completely missed it. I was like, "Where's the Arrested Development nod?" See, um, I didn't catch that in the credits because yeah. I was too busy angry tweeting Leon about the being sat behind me. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know is cardinal sin of taking my fan out at, at the cinema, yeah. but everyone else is doing it. So yeah, fine. yeah. But yeah, so um, all in all, I guess we all three of us enjoyed it, right? Oh yeah, definitely looking yeah. forward to the next one. As, as, but that's that's the yeah. thing; it's always like the, the 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 sweet treat like laid out in front of me. Like I'm even if I don't want it, I, I'm going to have to take it. Exactly. You know? Yeah, it's there <laughs> and and it's great. It's 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 a good film. It's a good popcorn movie. It's good action. It's it's nice to see these characters on the big screen. Like I keep saying, it's good. It's good to see them on the big screen, and it, it it's good to see. I like finally seeing Thanos get some proper time. Mm. on the screen and finally seeing thanos get to be a bad guy i mean he's he, it this is for me this is thanos with soft around edges this is like baby proof thanos 
<laughs> it's Thanos, which yeah. I don't mind. I, I like yeah. that he's not just a one-dimensional character because I don't, I don't yeah. know, I don't have that allegiance from the comics. But I yeah. like that he had some softness to him. Yeah. And more than that, like I like that they sold how imposing he is. You know, there's there's yeah. lots of shots of him handing things over to people or his hand compared to somebody else's, and you see just how yeah mass- how massive absolutely massive he you know. is. Yeah, he's mm. huge. Like him handing over the dagger to Gamora, mm. and it's like puny in his hand but it's you know normal sized in hers and there's, yeah they sell that scale and strength really well yeah and it's really good how that works i do i do like that and all in all it was a great film so yeah uh, overall good film great watch um can't wait for what happens next can't wait for the carol danvers movie when that drops that's going to be really cool mm-hmm. predictions i think that's going to be where they introduce adam warlock and i think because she mm. will be um leading the charge against Thanos because she'll be one of the only people able to stand up to him. Hmm. And I guess that brings us to a close. Well, can I, can I bring up one oh, thing? Cause yeah, I've been, go I've for it, been yeah. not, not wanting to bring it up until yeah. the end. You were saying you were disappointed by them not killing off like Iron Man, for example. Yeah. Yeah. My theory is they've left behind all the old guard. Cause like the people who are still alive are like Tony Stark, Bruce Banner, um, Rhodey and Captain America and Thor. Black Widow right. as well, I believe. Black Widow, yeah. So I think they're going to do something where they flip it. So all the people who died, yeah. maybe, you know? Like, this is the they... feeling I was getting, because I thought, like, mm. there's... Uh, sorry to cut in. The only, if the, the only reason for two of the people who are fought should should or possibly die in this movie, Cap and Iron Man, to mm. still be alive after all this, mm. is for a trade flip type thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's what it's going to... That's what then, it's going to be in the next one. There's going to be, like, the new Avengers or something, and it's going to be Stephen Strange, Spider-Man, and Black Panther or whatever. But, yeah overall i really enjoyed it and i guess we should we should bring it to a close now so that has been ace comicals number 34 that has been infinity talk and you can find us at www.acecomicals.com you can find us on wordpress which is uh, acecomicals.wordpress.com you can find us on facebook uh, under ace comicals you can find us on twitter at ace comicals you can find us on uh, apple Podcasts, overcast pocket cast stitcher tune in castro and now spotify as well so we're on itunes and spotify so look us up on spotify and you can check us out there you can find me on Twitter at Bato, that's B-A-T-T-O-U. And uh, if you have a question for the cast, you can send it to the Twitter feed or to um, the uh, Ace, we send it to the Ace Comicals Twitter feed. You can DM it or you can send it to me and DM it to me. Uh, or you can send it to the Ace Comicals email address, which is uh, acecomicals.gmail.com. We will answer or uh, answer questions um, on sort of like the next couple of shows. Um, and... Uh, Yes, yeah, so Ray, where can we find you? Yeah, on Twitter at Monke, so that's at M O O N K E H. And Leon, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter as well at Leon Everett. So that has been Ace Comicals. Thanks very much for listening. Ace Comicals, over and out.